water, earth, fire, air. Welcome to Bending the Elements. A production by the Novice Elitist Podcast. With your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. podcast about all things Avatar. Ladies, gentlemen, those in between, and I guess out of between, welcome to the long-awaited promised entry in this channel. That is M. Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender. Mm. Last Airbender, yes. We return after many years and it's been even longer for you because you hadn't really seen this just uh actually watching it without us talking over it and since you said since the theater right many moons many full moons excuse me have passed since i had previously watched this uh when it first came out i don't know how much we'll give our backstories on that since you know we have a already existing commentary on that that you so uh gladly provided this channel for so i don't know if we sh- should we should we go through our histories with this or, or not again uh yeah we could make it brief yeah okay. just kind of brief recap all right i'll i'll go first sure i mentioned this before but to all who haven't heard i heard about this i first saw the trailer for this movie in transformers revenge of the fallen because there's another paramount film so they mm. advertise their upcoming movies and this was one of them and i remember the trailer and i just watched the trailer uh two weeks ago uh right before i purchased this movie on microsoft windows store and at first when i was a let's see it's 2009 so i would have been 14 years old at the time and i didn't know anything about the trailer i had no like clue i wasn't in like i said before i wasn't in the forums wasn't in online presence I didn't know there was a live action movie in the makes. I saw it and I was confused by it. I thought it was a Star Wars movie. And then turns out it's the Avatar movie. And I'm like, sorry, last Airbender movie, excuse me, because, you know, Avatar was released the same year. I forgot to mention that, Um, which that also confused me. I was like, how is this? This has nothing to do with Avatar. Like, because I kept seeing like, you know, Jake Sully's character. Uh, on the, yeah. the when movie posters were a thing uh, at, at uh, Empire Theaters, and but anyways, yeah, I, I saw it and I basically just said, I this this is unnecessary. There's no need to have a live action series. They did everything uh, in in animation. In fact, this feels uh, so counterintuitive and several steps backwards. I think they should have made an animated movie instead. Uh, in the end, my parents took me to see it at the cheap theater, uh, for, I guess just a movie night, which fair enough. And I was not impressed. And then three years ago, goodness gracious me, we, uh, because of reasons for Caleb's, uh, podcastings, uh, or podcast listening, excuse me. Uh, we did a commentary of this movie 
just because it was an M. Night Shyamalan fest, I guess, that he was going through. And mm-hmm. he was like, oh, let's watch this. And so we watched it, and those were the first steps into a larger world for me, where I may have been wrong about this film. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Okay, because, yeah, I remember you came away. And we'll get to that later, but we'll go for you first. Caleb, how did you uh, first stumble across this film? Yeah, well, as I mentioned the commentary, yeah, I was following M. Night's career pretty closely up until The Happening. The Happening, I was like, oh, like something went wrong here. And then to see that this was his follow-up, I was like, okay, it, it seems like M. Night's going in a direction that I don't really have any interest in following. And so this was the first of his movies that I purposely didn't see. And I didn't see it until, yeah, Isaac, you mentioned my uh, going through that podcast covering all of his movies. And that's actually when I watched the Avatar Last Airbender, the series, the first time, just in prep to watch this movie. So uh, I think we had a bit of a disagreement during the commentary on our thoughts on the movie, but I guess we'll see how it stands up now. Yeah, let's just say that when I watch, when I was, you can almost hear it in my voice and or my, my attitude in that move in that commentary, where I almost start to lighten up. And I, I, at first, I'm very close-minded, and all of a sudden, there's things about that movie that change my opinion. And I start to see things, mm. and I'm like, "Wait a minute, I didn't realize that." Interesting. Anyway, yes, let's 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 begin. So, I assume this, I believe this is on Blu-ray. This is on DVD. Uh, mm-hmm. I doubt there'll be a 4K release. Probably not. No. I do wonder: Has most of his films been in 4K yet, or been released in 4K yet? Um, I think Glass made it to UHD, but I'm not sure about any of the other films of his. I've certainly not noticed them. Yeah, I feel like old might get into 4K. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of old, yeah, we'll talk about how that movie connects to this when I was watching it earlier. Oh, I like that. I, I want to hear. I yeah. want to hear some of this. Yeah, it, it's not exactly that movie specifically, but just relates to M Night as a director overall yes. going into that movie. But yeah, I guess uh, if you got your copy at the old timestamp zero, which I guess there's no reason to even say this part because. It's not like we ever keep in sync, but no, but let's just, you know, let's, for, for tr- yeah. tradition's sake. Yeah, I guess we'll hit play in three, two, one play. Yeah, and I do like how the Paramount stars are always kind of played with. And I think these are another cool addition. Yes. No, we recently watched uh, Sonic the Hedgehog um, from 2020 uh, on our other channel. And they, they did rings. Transformers did uh, the. I guess transforming sounds and this did the yeah. water sounds. What did Star Trek do? I forget. Um, I can't remember either. I think maybe they do the, like the Star Trek symbol, for like the Federation, but I can't remember for sure. It's been too long. Okay. But they don't, they don't do any like sound effects. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. It's Fair. been real, a long, long time, but yeah. So starting with this movie, um, even just coming down to like the title sequence, kind of tells you right off the bat that they're kind of sucking away some of the fun here. Things are played pretty serious right from the start. But what do you think about the whole opening title sequence bit from the show being translated into live action here? Well, let's just say that your your analogy to, like, I guess, Enter the 36 Chambers or whichever kung fu movie that was is proven correct. Uh, And that that felt legitimately like something straight out of that, eh? Hmm. Oh, did I say that in the first commentary? I believe so. You 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 alluded to like oh, it feels like the end of the Thirty Six Chambers or another Sh- Shaw Brothers film of that 
time period. Yeah, I would have seen that for the first time around when we did that commentary. So I can see why it'd be top of mind. But it's interesting because uh, I think in our commentary, you also mentioned that when you saw the trailer for this, you thought it was a new Star Wars movie. Yes. Of course, they open up with a scroll here and a couple other things throughout the movie. Feels like Star Wars. Do you feel like that was an intentional kind of trying to model off that? Or do you think that was just maybe they thought it made it more epic? This is cert- also lit book one water. That's that's fascinating. That is interesting. Yeah, I give it that, I guess. Yeah, just just for your point. Yeah, I think I think there actually is a uh, I think he models it because, he- again, it's 20 episodes um, distilled into an hour, 34 minutes, basically. So if you're going to draw inspiration, go back to what the creators were looking at, you know, I guess, or at least, you know, the most recognizable thing Americans would, would, I guess, see uh, if you held up a picture and that is Star Wars. Hmm. So go back to the scrolls uh, to just give it a brief uh, setting for, for what the world's like. Yeah. And there is a lot, I guess, to lay out. So it makes sense. And we have Katara doing the voiceover again, which of course is going to come throughout the movie, which speaking of, cause you mentioned the runtime there, um, M night got criticized and this came out about, Oh, like it's very unusual that you took this series and condensed it down to basically 90 minutes. And his critics were kind of like, why didn't you make it more the length of a regular blockbuster? And he was like, Oh, you know, I just thought it was moving too quick. I was used to making 90 minute movies and they shot a lot more material, but he ended up cutting it and replaced it with Katara's voiceover. Initially, she was just going to be at the start and the end. But now we have her spliced throughout the movie to replace uh, missing plots or subplots that he cut out. I see. So that's kind of... uh, We'll see how that affects the movie as we go through it, but... Yes, I see that now. Did you watch, by the way, some of the deleted scenes? Um, There was none on my Blu-ray, and... Really? No, there was no special features at all on my Blu-ray. Oh, really? That is interesting. I thought that there would be. Yeah. And this is not like a like bootleg Blu-ray that you found at a pawn shop. Uh, it is one I found at a pawn shop for like oh. $2, but no, it is the official release. Hmm. It's even hmm. in 3D. Oh, wow. Remember that, everybody? It's, that's dated. Yep, sure. Uh, wow. Okay, that, I guess that's fair. I guess that's the only special feature. I guess if if the DVD has more features on it than the Blu-ray, that's uh, that's interesting. Sorry, I interrupted you there. What'd you say? No, I was gonna say I guess the 3D is the only special feature. <laughs> Should watch it on 3D. Take it over. My parents sold 3D TV. I don't even know if they still have glasses for it. Do you think 4K but... TVs now like play 3D uh, old 3D DVDs or Blu-rays? Um, I'm sure there's some that have that feature, but I think it's mainly been abandoned. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe in some parts of the world it's still pretty popular, but at least here in Canada, I never see it. So Very niche. Yes. Well, but yeah, we see Katara right at the start here, kind of manipulating this bit of water. And right off the bat, I think their water effects hold up really well. I sense a strange feeling that you said that before <laughs> yeah some of this will definitely be repeating oh yeah. uh, yes no that's fine i'm just kidding right now um by the way i was pausing here and there and the actor playing guitar when she dropped the water on Sokka, uh it looked mm-hmm. like she had genuine like laughter and her like 
motion positivity in her in her face so i was like okay that's kind of funny it looked like they somebody really like dumped a bunch of water on on Sokka there mm-hmm. or soka sorry then, yes soka and yeah he again he looked so angry he like went up and grabbed her and she's like i'm sorry i'm sorry so like whoa like this guy's just gotta right off the bat i'm gonna actually disagree with you and say that as a it's more as a brother thing uh if you it's a it's a brother sister thing a sibling uh dynamic where you know the sibling goes and you know throws a spitball at you and then you come at them just like you know pound your face or something like that i know you and your siblings probably didn't have that kind of stuff but i think most siblings would, no. would do something like that it's not it's it's rough housing in a way and or it's like i'm not saying like you know siblings will be siblings but i think if you've ever had a if somebody's ever had a sibling before and you, you poke around and mess with them that's it kind of works like that so I, I actually accept uh, the interaction there. Hmm. And since we're focusing on them right from the start here, I guess we should address the other elephant in the room, which we definitely talked about in our previous discussion of this. But And what would that be, sir? Yeah, the whitewashing, of, of course. Very well. Casting. And again, M. Night was like, oh, you know, anime, the way that they design characters is meant to be interpretable in different ways and so he was like i guess he interpreted them as white so even though i don't see it and no one else could it got a lot of complaints including from brian konitsko came out and said that yeah he was very dis- dissatisfied to see this and we'll get into a little bit more of that once we get to uh, some of the other characters but i feel the need to address it right away here because and i know that maybe your take is going to be a little bit more um like our ghost in the shell 2017 discussion where you're trying to maybe remove it from the context of the show but that is absolutely the case i feel like just on its own it's a complaint of just weird whitewashing removed from the, like the context of the writing of the show or anything like that it was just a, a curious choice on m night's part i think and it was him who who made the choices by the way on that yes no i'm not gonna disagree and you know close my ears and say like i like this movie or i love this movie excuse me but uh in that case i will state that yes in in canon uh, obviously, Brian Knitzko and Michael Dante DiMartino did draw upon real world cultures and intentionally put them and base the characters off of those uh, cultures. Now, of course, one could say, well, they're white and they took people of colors um, from around the world and put them in their cartoon by the white studio. And they had all their cast members uh, were all white as well. Save for Iro and, mm-hmm. or sorry, Iro and Zuko, both played by men of color. So you could state obviously that this this white and and it was animated by Koreans. I don't know where that comes in, but you see what I mean. Where these creators are white and they created the show, um, and then here comes an Indian American man mm-hmm. uh, who intentionally decides to make the primary three leads uh, white. And people are crying foul. So I guess not to call out these creators who we both love. Uh, I mean, Reich. Um, how come people are not going after them for that? And how come they haven't been canceled yet, if that's the case? Well, that's certainly fair. That's certainly a fair criticism. Does that, does that, does, does that, yeah, does it, does that take, yeah, does that take off any like criticism from M. Night? I'm not saying no. I, I am not saying that. Um, it is it is interesting and do you remember though that 
we've we've discovered this when we watched it because we didn't pre-watch this initially in our first commentary uh that there is a specific reason that yes all the people in the southern water tribe are inuit looking or at least indigenous looking excuse me uh while katara Sokka, and their grandmother all look white and there is a reason for that um in in the movie i think i think actually there's a lot of like setups and or there's a lot of lots of things are explained in this movie it's almost self-contained in a way it is but i I will just comment that was a retroactive choice when once he got these cast people because i guess i'll jump into it now but do you know who was originally going to be cast for zuko i do not actually know who was originally supposed to play zuko who was supposed to play play zuko excuse me (laughs) jesse mccartney was m knight's first choice Zuko okay and the studio said no (laughs) wow interesting yes my goodness and so he went instead with Dev Patel and then changed the makeup of what the Fire Nation was going to be based on the casting of Dev Patel well that (laughs) actually does make sense because there still seems to be some soldiers that might be Indian but might not be Indian they look a little more light skin tone to be Indian or Fire Nation in this movie, mm. if that makes sense. Unless I'm wrong on that. Yeah, I didn't notice, but I guess we'll we'll see as we go through here. But mm. but currently, I'm on the scene when uh, Guitar and Sokka discover Aang. Yes, when they're hunting Tiger uh, Seal. Yeah, and I, a lot of this stuff feels pretty straight from from the show. Uh, you know, minus the canoe scene or the somewhat actiony like white water rafting scene. Yeah, that's another thing about this show is they kind of take basically the backbone of that anime series or animated series and just strip it down to like the barest parts. And so when you look at it, it is a pretty straightforward adaptation and they do cover a lot of the main beats, but a lot of them just feel so condensed and kind of stripped of a lot of the the, uh, character that a lot of that stuff initially had. Like, I feel like that in this scene here, I agree what you're saying again. It's, but all right, this does sound excuse. 90 minutes. Yeah, again, a, a curious choice on M. Knight's part. Yeah. Strip it down to, I mean, 90 minutes feels like when you go see uh, Fan Four Stick and you walk out, it's like, wow, I can't believe how short that movie was. And it makes you wonder, like, why was the movie that short? Did they not have faith in their material? Yes. Did they, like, cut it down to its barest bones? Because once we get to the end of this movie, things start to feel like, whoa, like, we're moving so fast. Like, things, like, I feel like if you didn't see the show, you'd be lost by quite a bit in that ending, I think, but we'll get there. Yeah, no, I, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, I, I do agree that um, you, and you said this, or you, you know, you said the critics, sorry, not the studio. I thought the, uh, I thought you, you said that the studio gave Shyamalan um, leeway to do more stuff, but it was his decision to cut back. It was the critics you meant. Um, yeah the critics I I doubt the studio I doubt the studio would just give him carte blanche well that is another thing about this movie is up to this point he had had carte blanche seriously but the happening was him basically saying no one gets to challenge my vision I'm going to do whatever I want and so when it came to this movie he still had that same mentality but they were pushing back a little bit and so that caused a lot of conflict with the, the studio and him I see but it's but as far as I could tell, all the creative decisions were still kind of his choices, except for 
Jesse McCartney. It was just kind of them saying no, and then him having to change things around, but it was still him making all those kind of choices. Fascinating. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It was so wow. Yeah. It's <laughs> the executive meddling there was uh, was like, hey, you can't use Jesse McCartney. Okay, I'll just use Deb Patel then instead. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Oh, but I'm on the the scene here where No Ringer is finally kind of introduced uh, in Qatar's little like, I guess was it igloo? I, I can't quite tell. From... Yeah, snow shed, igloo, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah. Apologies, I gotta be careful with that. House made of ice. Yeah. Hut made of ice. There you go. Yeah, and again, I'm curious for your opinions on No Ringer here because I still feel like he is kind of the like he feels a little bit like Jake Lloyd in this, I think. Whew, oh boy. I hope the Avatar fans haven't Jake Lloyded him. I don't think so. I I mean I think he just kind of went away, like he doesn't act anymore and he was never an actor. He was this was his one of only two film roles and he'd never done anything prior. He was mainly a martial artist. So I wonder if he's in UFC. <laughs> Check if he's in UFC four. <laughs> oh, I didn't see him. <laughs> That's a dang shame. Yeah. And I saw that um, he had no acting experience when he was hired and the studio a month before filming uh, made him get acting lessons. I see a month before filming. So that, that, I mean, you can't fully blame him. He was not an actor. And I feel like this movie did him no favors as an actor. And it's just, in my opinion, troubling that M. Night as a director would cast as your your lead. You're the person that's leading your franchise, a non-actor. <laughs> and it gives a very stilted performance. Yeah, I guess all I could say to that is I wonder if he was a fan of the show. And so he was like, I got to... I gotta do this for this but obviously if you said that he was just hired for his martial arts expertise then i guess i guess so yeah and actually as a martial artist he um he shaved his head and a lot of his like he he developed like a nickname as avatar because oh. people were just like oh you know you look like him and you're a martial artist and so when when his uh like trainer heard about this movie it was like hey you should submit like a tape you know doing some of your your like martial arts stuff and see if that goes somewhere. And M Knight saw it and was like, Oh yeah, this is the kid for us. Huh? Well, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> to a certain person who did a uh, review on this years ago, uh, I need to point out the fact that one of the first things Katara asks this, you know, boy in the iceberg, um, what his name, who, like, what his name is. Just want to point that out there that she did initially like, ask who his name was or what his name was. And he just didn't answer. Now, maybe that was the wrong time uh, to ask. And he was still like, you know, exhausted. And even she realized that. So she did ask. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know the context, but but fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) Oh, but uh, is it, uh, what what part are you on? Do you have anything to say about where you are or. Uh, Let's see. Oh yeah. Here he is. Okay. So. Jeff Patel showed up. He's taking his mat, his helmet off. Excuse me. Oh yeah, slumped up million. That's right. Still haven't seen that movie yet. <laughs> but there had to have been other stuff, right? Um, he was actually just coming off Skins when he got cast in this. Skins. Yeah, Skins, British TV series. That's where uh, Nicholas Holt got his start, and um, a couple other people. And I was actually a fan of Skins. I was watching it 
And so when, when this came out in some dog millionaire, I was like, Oh, hey, hey, it's that kid from skins. And, um, he was doing his training and stuff while filming for some dog millionaire for this. And he said that when he came to this set, he'd already finished some dog millionaire and it was like a culture shock for him because it was like coming from kind of an indie piece to a big studio production. And it was just like completely different. And he said that he felt like he didn't really have like he hadn't developed his voice as an actor to kind of make his own creative choices or anything like that. And so he said he said he felt kind of like like it wasn't him on this set making this movie like it was it was just kind of doing a job and he didn't feel like he could put his identity into the character. So that might explain why he's uh, because he's usually a fantastic actor in this. I'm not going to say he's necessarily bad, but he's just kind of like a non-entity, I would say. He has a couple moments where he stands out, but it doesn't really bring a lot to the character, I don't think. He's there. He's he's present. Just kind of all he does. Yeah, unfortunately. I, I assume that, uh, you know, like most people in this, uh, as the actors, he himself did not watch this, uh, the, the Avatar Last Airbender show self doing prior training i assume i i don't think i don't think that Shyamalan was brian singer in the first few x-men films where he forbade anybody from reading an x-men comic if that's if that urban legend is true or not i assume it is <laughs> oh i'm not sure about that but but no absolutely they were all pretty informed with the show dev patel said that he didn't watch it before he got the role but in between takes on Slumdog Millionaire, he was watching the show to try to catch up and get it all finished. Just kind of funny to think. Yeah, it is funny to think. Oh, but I just saw the scene with uh, old Mr. Appa flying around with the kids on him. Yeah, what, what do you think about that design choice right off the, the bat here? Okay, so when I first when we first watched it, I said that looks hideous because I didn't know what was going on with his arms because it looked like... He had like gimpy, limpy arms or membranes. And that turns out that's just mm-hmm. children. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, I want to go smack myself in that commentary for how closed minded I was. Oh, no. Oh, you goof. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, there, there won't be smacking here. But yeah, I didn't realize that all the children were playing on, on him or and, and like, you know, grabbing a hold of his legs or arms like a merry-go-round. You know, I, I, I may, I think I alluded to this before, but like where the wild things are looking. Hmm. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah. Yeah, I think the body looks looks fine. It's a pretty well realized, I think, half practical, half CGI. But I just can't get past that face. I don't understand why they made it look so creepy. Like he's got those like his mouth looks a little bit creepy and his eyes for whatever reason look a little villainous. <laughs> Like Appa in the series had kind of like a kind of like a doughy eyed look like he looked like, you know, maybe he wasn't super bright or or something <laughs> or looked like a cow, maybe <laughs> bovine. I mean, yeah, bovine. Yeah. This one, though, those eyes look like I don't know, like he's he's he knows something that you don't <laughs> you uh you don't want to see the live action Totoro if it was made by Americans. Oof. Oof. Yeah, I'm sure that would look not great either. Dolly, I want to see that now. Um. What was that series that you liked on, um, oh, it's that Netflix show that's, uh, it's that Korean film. It's got that girl with the, with the bovine looking creature, um, Uja? No. 
No, what's it called? Oh, yo, Ocha, Ocha yeah. Um, not a fair comparison, but how do you how do you like compare the two? Like, do you think Ocha looks better than Appa here, or vice versa? Oh yeah, absolutely better. Yeah, yeah Ocha is super duper endure, endearing and and cute and sweet. Yeah, this guy. I mean, it's more that he's a creepy design. We don't actually get much of a presence from Appa, like him and Momo. I don't feel like actually come across as characters in this or just kind of background material. So whereas Okja, I mean, the movie really is about his relationship with the lead and it's like the core of the movie. So, yes, I know what you mean. And not to compare too much to the series. I mean, maybe in just these big budget movies, like kind of kids in movies, you need like a cute little friend to help out. But I do wish that, especially Momo, Momo, I just forget that he's in this movie constantly until you see him in the background. It's like, oh, there, there's that guy again. <laughs> yeah, it's the opposite of every, not every, but it's the opposite of some children's films where, whether it's animated or live action, there's always like the comic relief and maybe like animal sidekick that also is the comic mm. relief. And in this, it's like downplayed. In fact, they're not even like, they don't really do much comedy. No, not at all. Or of course, maybe some people, I don't, I don't know if like a young child would laugh at it or not, but I, <laughs> I would just, uh, and I, f- I find it, I find that interesting that it's does the, uh, does the opposite where it's like, it's, they're not annoying. They're just, you know, background <laughs> scenery, if you will. Yeah. It almost felt like they're only there because they're in the TV show. Like they're, I mean, uh, Appa has a, like script purpose so of course he would be there but i feel like momo probably wouldn't have been in this movie if it wasn't for the tv show because yes. he has no no moments where he shines or does anything useful he's just most of the time he really is just in the background you don't even really notice him unless you are purposely looking for Indeed. him Indeed. so that's kind of too bad yeah i know unfortunately it's they're not part of the script but i i assume i might was obliged or not contractually obligated, but they they were there and for the script, so maybe he or for for the story, so he he left them in there as they were, mm-hmm. and excised many other elements out, um, for the sake of his story he's trying to tell. Yeah, and speaking of the story, um, now I'm on the scene where they're doing the test. How do you feel like that came across? Well, um, I want to first like quickly go into the grandma for one that she oh sure kind of alludes to spirits and we didn't really get that in the original mm. and that's like deviation number well number one but like the first deviation that i noticed about how like Shyamalan has this thing about this spirit now obviously this could tie into his faith his his spirituality potentially and the presence of these spirits mm. and that we see some people having faith i guess not to say that there wasn't faith in the show but they, they bring up uh spirits in that they, they set up the fact that spirits are in this world um and that the avatar is the one that can bridge is the bridge between both worlds now whether they stick to that mantra and or the, this idea in the film um you can leave that to say that's up to a person's subjective viewpoint. I think they sort of go into it a bit. 
I also think that this was a point where M Night would have used this as a okay, if I make a second movie out of this, I can go back to this point. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, this was definitely set up for he he was fully in, uh, intending to make the the other two at the time. Oh boy. Yeah, I think it was the box office that kind of put the kibosh on. Yes. That, but... Now, as for the testing scene, the the test, I still question what how they would have done air. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the test. We didn't get in the show, if I recall. Um, mostly because he reveals himself to be the Avatar. Uh, and at this point, he's actually tight-lipped about it. He's uh, he's not saying much. Aang's not exactly as bright and vibrant around here. I also must say that I highly, highly love uh, Iroh here. Sorry, Iro here. Um, and how respectful um, and honorable he is to Aang. Um, telling him mm-hmm. no true, no, no lies, sort of. And uh, again, giving him, showing him respect first before he does anything. I very much like that about his character. Um, the actor certainly knew what he, what kind of role he had. And I very much do think that this is the best, like, character in this movie. Absolutely. Yep. No doubt about that. Um, as 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 for the test, yeah, the the test was just like a bunch of effects, <laughs> a bunch of fancy special effects that basically said yes, he is the avatar. Yeah, unfortunately, there really wasn't much more to it. Um, I I still think it's an okay scene. There's a couple little moments peppered throughout this movie, and usually they're with Iro or Iro, <laughs> where I'm like, oh, I, this scene worked, and this one was was one of them, I think. Until the end of the scene, anyway, when Aang does his little escape, and it kind of puts a dampen dampener on it because it's so badly uh, performed, I think, <laughs> or overperformed, perhaps. Yeah, and I guess that goes to kind of another big topic for the movie is how do you feel about the way that they perform the bending actions? So the choreography, basically. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess, I guess so. So, um, again. What I like about this movie, again, if I, I'm, I'm separating it from the actual show and treating it as an adaptation and in my Shyamalan's adaptation, that is, um, I will give him this. He doesn't do quick edits, or at least he's not chopped edits. That's what it is. You know what I'm talking about, right? We saw this a bit in, mm-hmm. we saw this a lot in Mortal Kombat, for instance. There was a lot of editing there. Like there, there were some, at least that first Scorpion Sub-Zero fight, um, while it was chopped, they still looked like they were, the, both actors, well, both actors are martial artists in that scene. So they knew what they were doing. The fight itself was kind of shot from different angles and quickly edited, as I kept saying. Um, but it's still, that one still stood out as, I think, one of the best fights in that movie. Here he actually does like hold on the camera and we don't really see much shaky cam. I, I, I think at least. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of choreography, choreography, excuse me, and translation from the show, again, as I mentioned, they did not hire Sifu Kisu as the martial artist consultant. And instead, either they brought in a, you know, an industry person or uh, somebody else who Shyamalan knew. I don't know. Up until this point, I don't think, Shyamalan had many like fight scenes, air quotes, hand to hand fight scenes. Um, but to 
sorry to make a long story short i they're not the best are the actors performing them well i think they are are they translating greatly probably not in conclusion they're well what, what can i say they're they're pretty like air quotes bad action sequences but they're so bad they're good well that's fair yeah there's i was definitely laughing uh, a number of times watching this for their scenes and and for me my problem was is not necessarily the uh like the the choreography or they're them performing it is it never feels like their movements correspond with how the element is bend is bending to its to their motions if you know what i mean like it feels like they do this big elaborate thing like we see later they do this big elaborate dance and then just one rock moves and it's like not even moving in any sort of like frantic way like their movements are just slowly gliding <laughs> And so that kind of stuff, I just wonder, like, what's like, why did they do it that way? It seems so strange to me. I equate that to almost build up as in he has to perform these moves, these these first moves before he can bring that tornado out. Um, at the same time, most of those moves might look flashy as well. Um one can interpret that however they want if the flashiness is necessary at all or if it's just again for flash and not substance <laughs> but i i think i know what you mean where mm. it doesn't feel like they're the corresponding moves to their respective elements and that's what i meant by i don't think i mean maybe not don't think i don't, I don't know if Shyamalan went into that at all or if again he just vetoed that I was like, let's do it this way instead. So at the at this point, when it comes to fight scenes for me, it's they're not good, in my opinion, as to what the show was doing. But I, I laugh at them and or like them for how, like, air quotes, uh, charming they are. I forget what the word is. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure either. Hammy? But no. That, that, that could work. Yeah, they are. Some of them are a little hammy, but. Oh, but now I'm at the sequence where it's kind of um, taking that, that third episode where Aang goes over to the Southern Air Temple. Yeah, and finds the grave of Gyatso. I guess not a grave, just finds his, his dead body. And again, I think they do a good job kind of capturing the essence of these these moments in the series. Um, But I don't know, there's just not quite enough flavor. Like we see in the background, there's that place where Aang was playing that game, kicking all the... Oh, what was that game called again? Oh, yeah, it was... Uh, it's not Airball, I believe. Yeah, I can't remember. We saw, like, the court, and, and I was like, oh, that's nicely represented. But there's no lightness or humor to this movie. So they just kind of... It's all, like, drab, and then, yeah, he's just depressed and goes into the Avatar state. Well, again, as I watched the movie, I started to see something. I was like, I know what they're doing. I know what they're doing. Um, he's he's cheerful here, I'd say, uh, because he's home and he's wondering where everybody is. I don't think he's in denial because, again, he doesn't know what's about to happen. Uh, or at least he doesn't know what's happened. 
Uh, and so he sees this open grave, basically, this open graveyard of skeletons, which... I forget how long it takes for skeleton decompose. I, forget, I don't remember now. But either way, yeah, this is the start of basically cementing the fact that Aang throughout this entire movie is angsty. He is rep with depression and or with doubt. Very, very quiet. Mm. Very much depressed. Um, and that is what Shyamalan himself decided to take with this angle. Uh, to go the route of regret and questioning his his actions. if Or at least inactions, if that makes sense. That does make sense. And I also think he maybe, because you even kind of see it with Gyatsu, I think maybe he more had like just thought of Aang as just a traditional monk. Like he kind of missed that Aang was maybe not the best fit for a monk, or at least wanted a different point of view because Aang has that very reserved kind of quality to him, like you say. And for me, I, yeah, definitely maybe an element of depression, but I was wondering if, if maybe that was just, he was supposed to be monk-like. Uh, just kind of quiet and you know we see him doing his like meditation i think maybe twice or something like that throughout the movie i guess one moment where he kind of points out that he's doing it but i feel like sometimes you just see him in the background just kind of thinking to himself like mm. so <laughs> yes but it leads this is the what, what what i realized and this goes back to star wars is that Shyamalan chose to do for this 90 minute movie the hero's journey for Aang. Mm. And so he needed Aang to have some doubts. He needed to give him uh, some questioning of his methods. He's pulled out from his world. He's pulled out from the normal as, you know, per Joseph Campbell's book and his ideas. Um, pulled out of the ordinary world, their quotes. When he was given his avatar status and when he was in that ice, uh, that the, the, um, the iceberg. And so he then mm -hmm. chose to basically make Aang all depressed and some introspective more than his monk teachings are and or emotionally um, depressed, not depressed, emotionally introspective and build his character up through here. If he has a character, because <laughs> people say he has no character what kind of emotion is he displaying other than like angst, anger, and, and negative emotions? Uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's struggling to come to terms with what his role is. So, I mean, that's kind of, and he does have like the trying to uplift the people to bring them like the new hope element. I... So, I mean, I guess coming into his role as a leader. Yeah. He's, he almost sees that because maybe not because, but, well, I remember in the series where because he ran away uh, from his fr from the temple uh, because he was the avatar and they were going to not give him a normal life, as he said, maybe he feels regret and sees the consequences of his actions and that all his people were wiped out because of him running away. And so, again, he feels guilt ridden um, and burdened by by this this mm. uh, this this guilt. And so. This is what's causing him to, I guess, be a downer. Yeah, and, and maybe that's more of a realistic kind of point of view for... Because Aang is, you know, he is very much a cartoony 
character than at least in that first season where everything's he doesn't really take anything seriously except for every now and again where he gets kind of depressed but having all that weight on your shoulders i'm sure would just make your general kind of uh, demeanor just down and kind of reserved and maybe closed off from everyone else and recalling some of my thoughts when we were doing the series when the book the first book excuse me i had said i kind of wish there was some introspection or at least ang was still maybe having nightmares or at least having memories i kind of still felt motivated or or still was haunted by these images of his uh of his comrades of his family basically all being killed not by killed but just seeing the skeletons of them and feeling regret in a way and now is that ultimately saying that i don't like the series over this because this is basically what i got i i i got what i was speculating on of like hey <laughs> ang should feel depressed and all and then she, here comes shaman being like this guy was given a role he ran away from it uh somehow he survived 100 years but all his people were wiped out there should be some guilt over that look at this he gave me exactly what i wanted so that's part of the reason why i already like this <laughs> that's and fair. That throughout the whole movie he stays with this 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 attitude of uh of, of being depressed and, and guilt and, and guilt-ridden yeah and i mean maybe if we had a more competent actor maybe that could have come across as compelling part of my big problem with this movie is i never feel any interest or attachment to any of the characters in it that's fair and it's i think it's all down to the performance i just think nobody really is selling me on on their characters or making me invested by them having some sort of charisma or anything like that and that's what i was going to bring up about old is i i I think that M. Night Shyamalan is maybe a terrible director of actors. Because when I watched Old, I kept wondering, I was like, like these a lot of these people are quite good actors. Why are they giving these just completely bizarre deliveries? And the happening, this, this similar thing, although I wouldn't say those people are necessarily great actors, but like completely baffling deliveries. And watching this, I kept wondering, I was like, was he, did he have like a short shooting schedule or these are the best takes he had? Was he like a one take director? Like, oh, that's fine. Yep. Let's move on. Cause, or maybe he just has no sense of what a good performance is. And he was just like, yeah, that's fine. Like, it's very strange. I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's the case for him. I don't think he's lazy potentially. I think in his head, he hears what the actors are saying. And he, I, I think he, believes that was the best take they gave i i don't think he's uh late i i don't think i think he's like michael bay maybe not as like higher energetic as michael bay but you've you've heard the interviews you've heard or at least heard the stories of him Mm -hmm. that he goes all in as as eric was saying in transformers films uh he goes all in um he does like chris nolan he doesn't uh sit down uh unless it's uh, depending on if it's lunch or not but or break time he is always up and he's always very like devoted and passionate uh, about his work and the work he is doing a very hardworking person. And I think Shyamalan probably expresses that differently, not just like Michael Bay, of course, I'm just saying like he expresses it in his own manner. Um, so I think in his mind, he feels, 
<laughs> maybe he prays over it. Maybe he's like, was this the right take? Was it not? Is, should they be seeing it like this? Yeah. Maybe he's getting all these the way. Because again, you, you notice throughout the films, each of his films, he, he says, or his actors act in a way that's it's very interesting. Very, I, again, I, as I, I've called it, I call it Shyamalan speak. Because there's no real other... I can't really relate it to mm. anything else. It's very unique in of itself. It's kind of like the way Shatnering, the way William Shatner would deliver his lines. Um, so in this case, it's mm. the Shatner or the Shatter. It's the Shyamalan speak. And in a way, I think this is less like old, at least, I mean, not directed, but just like, I think the actors are a little more, I don't know. I think there's a little more naturalism, maybe not naturalism per se as the film term, but just, I, th- I think, I, the characters are speaking a little more than the characters of old are, if that makes sense. Yeah, they feel a little bit more bland. Old, it was like I was laughing just all the time because I was so baffled by how do you get these great actors to give these such strange deliveries. This one... That's interesting, you know, I realize that. Yeah, this one is... It just... It's mainly like... Because a lot of the leads give the same kind of like... Almost the same deliveries for every line. I feel like a lot of the leads... Monotone. Yeah, very bland. But a lot of like the side people, like we get some random Fire Nation troops. Like right now, I'm in the scene with Haru. Which does he even speak? Does he have a line of a dialogue in I this? I think he may say like that or something, if I recall. But no, not really. Yeah, and all the Firebenders, all the Firebenders during this little episode, I feel like all of them are given some <laughs> really strange uh, deliveries. But. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, fa- it's fascinating where like every single one of them is Motoko Kusanagi, uh, at least the I I mean the um, the leads where they're very introspective and and reserved, um, and it's funny because you think mm. that the over the topness that Shaman's going for in old or at least unintentionally intentionally or unintentionally, it's funny how they're doing it there and not here where it's animation it's it's based off of animation where over exaggeration is the point. And that's very fascinating that he chose to make a serious film instead of uh, go for the over where Shyamalan speak actually probably would have worked better. And instead he chose to make it a little more somber and reserved. I find that fascinating. And to go with more what you were saying that it's so funny how you were saying like, you know, I don't really relate to these characters. I think you're right. I don't really look at the characters. Problem is I don't have this thing with ghost in the shell where that one I was trying to make an argument that that's a good film and we should separate it from mm-hmm. the, the you know the existing properties of course and give it its fair dues flawed as it is this unfortunately I can't say it stands on its own the characters they're bland I wouldn't say they're maybe you could say they're boring but unfortunately I am so like connected to like you know the comparison to the series itself that I am forced to mm-hmm. you know keep it alongside that it has to have a lifeline to the series uh or else um so i guess you could give this to somebody and it's like and, and detach from the show and say like here here's a bad movie if you want to watch it's like okay let's watch this and they'd probably be fine so yeah the bo- characters are boring and whatnot but i i i think at least ang has something to him uh if yeah the performance isn't getting to at least like the idea of what he's going but well yeah again see there you go it's like mm-hmm. i am connecting to what the other ang is is feeling and how i think well not he i'm not saying he should have been written like that but i'm saying like how he could have been written 
uh, and this is what Shyamalan sees. So this is so I'm liking this because uh, of what we could have had with that with with Ang. Yeah, and no, that we we definitely in our overview. I mean, I think that was the one character that we said felt like they didn't fully nail it, even though we both really like Ang. He definitely felt like maybe the most inconsistently written in that first book. Whereas this one, yeah, I, I feel like he he's pretty traceable. Like he's got a a baseline that he's always running through. Although, admittedly, well, no, actually, I guess when we get to the end, because I was gonna say at the end he like has this weird expression I didn't get, but I guess it's still the oh no, I'm scared for my future and depressed. So, <laughs> oh, I know the one we'll t- we'll, yeah, we'll get to we'll that get one. To that. We'll get to that one. Now I know you're far ahead. I know you're far ahead. I'm sorry, but I do need to bring up. Uh, another change is that when he finds the skeletons of his of his fellow monks, he goes in the avatar state and then he connects to the spirit world. I like that change, or at least I like that adaptation. Oh, okay, yeah, connecting yes. the spirit world. Yeah, that is mm. a good like like for adaptation's sake. I actually like that um, because it's his first time going into the state. And other than like being in, I guess, the Avatar state while in the iceberg, but his first time where he somewhat consciously, unconsciously decides to go, well, not decides, but uh, triggers it um, through emotions rather than, I guess, immediate danger, if that makes sense. You could argue immediate danger relates to emotion. I don't know. Um, but I like that he then crosses over. That's another part of Campbell mythology uh, is crossing the threshold or something like that think of luke in the cave in the ice cave the wampa ice mm. cave in the five where he first uses the force to get his lightsaber um away from him think of it that way and this he does the same thing or uses his power uh in response to uh, his emotions his emotional state and then he sees the great dragon i think it's called <laughs> which is maybe i'm interpreting it as it's avatar roku and Fang, obviously it is supposed to be Fang and Avatar Roku mixed. Um, I just, I assume he just blended into one. And first, mm-hmm. uh, kind of gives some visions of, not visions, but gives him his quest and or gives him things to do. Uh, we'll see more of that, of course, later on. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll save my, uh, my comments for him for a little bit later. Yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, I was just going to wait until you get to this scene. So I'm at the scene where uh, they go back to the prison camp, and uh, I'm not sure if you're close to there, but <laughs> oh, I'm not even close there because we have I'm at where Zhao is uh, giving his speech about Prince Zuko, as you know. Um, up front, I actually want to say I like this scene because it's as you know, which as you know, uh, it's a terrible way of writing. Uh, you can't. It's 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 one of the no's that you should do and uh, you shouldn't do in writing because if if you have to have a character say as you know that's just expositing. In novels, you never have this problem because uh, narr- the narrator, the writer, would just explain it. Like they would just do a paragraph or two mm-hmm. of like the situation, and it wouldn't break. It might break the ebb and flow of the conversation for you as a reader, but in the terms of like the storytelling, it's the the characters are still going back and forth. I probably didn't say that. I don't think I made said that properly in a, you know, English uh, majors narrative or words. But the point is, is that Zhao is basically saying, as you know, to his entire crew. But I like that 
because Zhao is digging the knife into Zuko and being a big dunce. He's being a big knucklehead, <laughs> big old goof, because he's saying this to humiliate and bring humiliation to Zuko. Mm-hmm. Being, do, being this big, broad speech, this maybe this overacting, this overhammy speech, and certainly is, is just showing up uh, Zuko and really riling him up. I like that scene. That's a, that's a good scene. Yeah, that was one of the one of the better ones. So overall, I'm not I don't really care for this version of uh, Zhao. I don't necessarily dislike him either. I just I felt like he just wasn't quite as com- compelling as I hoped that he would yes. have been. But that was a good uh, early scene yes. for him. Absolutely. I will. Uh, I have more to say about him, but a, a good example uh, of what I was talking about with the choreography uh, and not being quick, quick cut cut it excuse me uh look at the scene around like 24 minutes go to 24 minute mark and you see kind of what i was talking about where all of a sudden now there's a problem with that i'm not saying there's not but you look Shyamalan just zooms in the camera but he puts the camera focuses totally on Depatel zuko and we see like all the like you know other soldiers like you know do their little session with them do, do their sparring session and he's taking them all on. Now, obviously, he's only facing the camera and he's never turning his head. So there's obviously a problem there where he's attacking. He's not attacking the guy from behind, but or not turning to look at the guy behind him. But point is, is that none of it was edited or at least shot from different angles. And none of it was uh, it was almost like a, a one take in a way. I, I got to give him credit for that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because yeah, the 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 Haru scene that I was on in the prison camp, which is around twenty seven uh, thirty, I yep. think, also is like a one take thing where they're yeah, just it's all in one smooth movement yep. and it's shifting around everybody. But I guess I'll wait till you get to that yeah, scene. That's why I definitely want to highlight as a, a baffling moment in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I forget. Yeah, he introduces his name right now. Does it? After the, yeah, I know I just watched this, but like, is it after the he frees the Earth King, or the Earth Village that he says his name? Um, I'm pretty sure he says his name before. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I can't remember when he says it. Either way, like, they're still not questioning. Okay, so what I mean, right before they get to Haru's village, um, okay, it's an open secret that she knows he's the Avatar, but he hasn't said anything because he's again very like introspective and he's very like reserved and 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 wants to keep everything internalized and doesn't want to share this information with people um i don't think that it's not he trusts her yet but he's just uh, almost ashamed to to tell her that he's the avatar um for fear mm. of what he might she might do to him um yeah no i don't think i see anything any signs of where oh no yeah this is my father there we go okay yeah so how does make us does say a line this is my dad Anyway, yeah, so Aang's very much like, yeah, again, because of his reservations, he's very much like keeping, he wearing his hood more often than in the show. Didn't even come out when the Fire Nation mm. was searching for him uh, in the Southern Water Tribe. Um, again, yeah, very, again, different take, different take. Um, so yeah, I'm at the 27 mark. So what do you want to talk about, sir? Yeah, this is kind of Aang's like big scene early on where he kind of decides to take the Avatar role in hand and... It felt so strange because, yeah, we get like this big extended like single take and it feels like this is meant to be a really pivotal moment where Aang kind of 
takes the role as the avatar and tries to step forward and give these people like their hope back and try to make them stand up and fight for themselves. But it's, it's just not hitting. Like it's not a well-delivered line. And then once we get the firebenders, they feel like they don't, (laughs) they, they're just like reading a script and it's like, Oh boy. And then once we get to the actual fight, it's just so embarrassing. That's one of the scenes where I really just start laughing and laughing. (laughs) And then it basically stays through that for the rest of the movie where every every few scenes I'm giggling to myself a bit. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. So, yeah, this is a very important scene that basically Aang lays all those cards out on the table and says, stand up for yourselves, probably inspired by what the dragon said, take responsibility. And that's not what he said, but, you know, reveals himself that I, yes, I am the Avatar. By the way, I forgot to mention, Mobile just shows up alive mm-hmm. and um just joins them without any weight to that that's that's that's, that's interesting barely any comment yeah yeah you know, mm-hmm. again we have to 90 minutes so get in and get out fast but anyway uh well yeah let's obviously state the elephant in the room right before you you know say anything about the fact that they're in a quarry look a quarry looking place well actually this is just their village they're imprisoned in their own village Mm-hmm. And, you know, they could any any of them could bend the earth. Any of the earthbenders could bend the earth at this point. Now, I thought of something though when I watched this. I was like, OK, we could have done the whole uh, rig, you know, the prison rig on the water is made of metal. You know, they could have done that easily because it's not like fantastical or anything like that. But they chose this instead. What they could have done, what they could have alleviated more was... I'm like, I'm like Katara, as Michaela said. I like to fix things. It's terrible. It's, it's awful. But uh, they could have broken the Earth spirit. Like they, 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 they could be running it more ruthlessly, if that makes sense. Where if any of, like, obviously would, they would need a lot of, like, soldiers for this. And that probably would be counterintuitive and just go with the series. But the point is that they, like, the, the open act of earthbending itself in a place of rock, they would like there, there would be punishment for that. If that makes sense mm-hmm. where they break and they keep breaking the spirits. So like every time uh, somebody tries to earth and they get burned or something like that. And they keep getting burned for each time they, they earth bend. So they're breaking the spirits down to there are consequences to this. Um, they could have done that, but obviously they didn't. So I just thought, okay, I, because the temptation is right there to use the earth, but because there are consequences to that, that would uh, tell them not to do so. But again, that was just my, my thought. Yeah. And just speaking a little bit about how they kind of ban the bending, like it comes up a couple times, but it's really, it's never really a big part of, I mean, I guess maybe more thematic. It's a part of it, but I just feel like that's not an element that they really sold that well. Yeah. By the way, the six earthbenders, you know, I guess stomping up, stomping up the yard, um, acting all like uh, more, more like, I guess, doing a dance almost uh, rather than <laughs> like, you know, earthbending. The, the guy who, as the camera pans, we see the guy like, I think do an okay, like, you know, set of martial arts, uh, then like, you know, throws the rock at them. 
that's the guy controlling the rock. It's not six people controlling the rock. It's that one guy who's controlling the rock. Okay, that makes it even more weird. I know. They're they're just there to like intimidate the um was it intimidate the earthbender or the firebender, excuse me. Uh whereas he's just their like front man where he's taking point and just hurls a rock at them. Yeah, for whatever reason it just makes the the bending seem less intimidating if all that work does like barely anything and you just gotta keep doing that over and over again yeah. through the fight. Like it's just like ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think you also said it yourself, realism. Uh, this is well, honestly, yeah. This is with without looking super CGI. This is the most I think they could do potentially uh, with this. And again, how much was this movie made for? Oh, that I don't know. I didn't look up the budget. I think we did in our original commentary, but also I'll give I'll give them this. Uh, while Haru looks actually i guess ang's age now they were actually looking side by side at 30 44 um they they did keep the green aesthetic which i like and uh yeah that's that's pretty much it (laughs) 150 mil yeah i guess that shows Uh, i think we we suggested that it was was like filming locations Mm. because this is a pretty beautiful movie i will say that yeah it's pretty good overall the end, it starts to break down a little bit, but oh, but uh, I guess trying to because we get a big montage sequence there where they're trying to restore hope, but nothing really happens until I guess we cut back to um, Zhao. Yeah, where we uh, basically quickly get uh, Aang, Katar, and Sokka kind of giving the plan initially from episode two. Instead, here it's like we're gonna go and liberate. We're gonna we're gonna liberate these towns and villages, and this is where they get the idea of, hey, let's go to the North Pole and learn water bending. So mm-hmm. this is where again they 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 instead of doing it quickly and getting it out of the way, they wait until like a pivotal moment after they free this town. So this and this is also where uh, Ang says like I being the avatar means I can't have a family. So the whole like Superman can't have Lois Lane. Yeah. And with great power comes great responsibility. Or like the weird Jedi thing in the prequels. Yes. That's here. <laughs> oh, but yeah, let's go with Zhao. Yeah. With Zhao. So I guess he's kind of realized at this point, kind of following the, the rumors of what the avatar is doing that he's heading towards the Northern uh, water tribe. And so he goes to meet up with Fire Lord Ozai. Yes. And how do you feel about how much time we spend with the Fire Lord in this movie? Because he, he's like an absolute presence in the movie. Yes, he has a big presence. Not like, I mean, he had a big presence in the first season or the first book as well. Uh, but in a different light, if you say that. In fact, you could say in this sense, in, in, in this case, the light is kind of showing in his face. In fact, we see his whole face. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of the other one and he looks like the friend dude from dr sleep i was in that <laughs> i know you didn't see yeah he's in that <laughs> yeah he's popped up in a lot of stuff um but i just think it's curious because i mean maybe he may even be like one of the better uh presences in the movie so maybe it's good we spend so much time with him but and i guess it's also good because we don't get a lot of zuko kind of talking about his his past so it's good to kind of fill that in with having the dad and, and Zhao talking about it more. Yes. 
and we I think have more of Zhao in this than we did in the what is it in in the in the TV series. Yeah, that could be. There's more of a presence here, uh, and we actually see him going back to the uh, the Fire Lord and giving him orders, uh, or at least giving him an update on the situation rather than. I guess in person rather than just relaying it by messenger bird. And so he's really, yeah, he's, you can also see how close he is to the fire Lord. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going with something here uh, in a way as again, trying to you know, please the fire Lord, trying to, um, I guess, get in his good graces, if that makes sense. Yeah. It kind of feels like he's like a little bit of a sniveling kind of suck up kind in of. a way. And we didn't get that with Zhao in the show. Uh, again, this is an adaptation, and I don't mind this adaptation so far of Zhao. No, no. Yeah, I wish he was... He just... I don't feel like the actor brings enough presence to him. Like, I think he does a fine job, but it's just... it, it You know, when you walk away from the movie, you're not going to remember, like, oh, yeah, that movie, he had this great villain. He's just kind of there. Yeah, he, he does seem very obedient. He does seem very uh, reliant on the Fire Lord. Again, uh, I... Um, a relationship that we really didn't explore where Zhao was kind of on his own, never actually in the presence of uh, the fire Lord himself in the original fire recall only ever off screenly mentioned by the two of them. Yeah, I think so. He was always, he, again, he was like the field commander, but he was never, or the admiral, excuse me. Uh, but he was never a general. That's the thing. He was never a general here. It seems like he is a general. A uh, frontline general, where he's always re- reporting back to the Fire Lord, and then going out and searching places. So it just, again, it, it, I guess it ties him more to the Fire Lord and extends is an extension of his hand. And maybe people are like, "Well, that's not what Zhao was. He was kind of well, not that he wasn't tied to the Fire Lord in the in the show, but he was never like the Fire, fire Lord's right hand man. Mm-hmm. That'd be somebody else." Uh, that's, that's a, like a different character seemingly entirely. Uh, whereas, yeah, they just, be, yeah, it's, Zhao was independent of this role, um, on the show and this, they time way too much to the fire Lord. So I could see the complaints people would have about that. Yeah. And just since we're talking about the fire Lord a little bit here, just to continue this. Um, so moving on from that scene, we go right to a scene of, uh, Zuko and he's like, I guess they're him and Iroh are hanging out in like a Fire Nation village or something. Colony 15, which is not Republic City. <laughs> yeah, and there's this little kid, and he's like, hey, little kid, come over here. And he's like, oh, you seem like a smart kid. Like, tell me about Prince Zuko. And um, I guess this is their little, like, little bit of flashback scene. I I don't know about how I feel about them doing it this way with this little kid. And the little kid says, Agni Key. <laughs> And I was like, oh, why, why M. Night, why? Adaptation, adaptation. <laughs> so, uh, I, I guess so, I guess so. But, but I don't know, I, I thought that scene was, especially when we see Azula, or I guess, have they said her name already? Can I? Sister. They said sister. Not until oh, the end, okay. not until the end. Yeah, and we see the sister, and she does her little laugh. Ah, I, that just... It it did not play as uh, very well. I thought. I thought that whole scene felt a little bit clumsy, a little bit kids movie ish. Uh, yeah, I, I I see your point. Um, I thought what they what was gonna happen rewatching it. I thought um, 
because again my memory still was still fuzzy when we watched this first um back in 2019 i thought he was gonna have a back and forth with the kid where he would have asked about what the fire lord or what what prince zuko was to him not to him but like what he heard about prince zuko and he would have said the whole story and then zuko would have said something about like the truth and he would have said well that's nonsense that's not what happened and he would have said this is what happened um kind of showing the propaganda side of the empire itself um and 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 seeing how seeing that zuko wants people to know the truth or at least doesn't want that to come true and so that motivates him uh to get back with his dad um they didn't go that route and said they did they did basically just show a a, an adaptation a a, not cut but like somebody some people can say like a butch version of the storm sequence um Mm -hmm. but again i think it's appropriate for this movie um I think I think the sister character is is certainly uh, hamming it up and overperforming yeah. potentially. Not on the actor's part. I think that's the point though, where she's acting like an animated character, out of this you know cast of seriousness, serious people. But I kind of like that. That actually seems may, certainly not in character for that particular character in the show who we haven't seen yet until the very end of book one, but um you could sort of see it in like a psychopathic like sense a joker-esque sense uh of being Mm. animated if 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 you catch my drift oh and i think they lean into that in her final scene in this movie but we'll get to that which my some may have a uh a problem with that there (laughs) um when we were in that colony 15 i forgot to mention uh where we see uh iro excuse me trying to uh, push Zuko into uh, the more relaxed life, the more late, not laid mm-hmm. back, but a more simple, blessed life, as he called it. Um, again, showing some of the actual Iroh from the show and how uh, Iroh would um, actually behave. Not that he hasn't really behaved differently. I think he's, I think his ad, we haven't talked about him much yet, but uh, I think he acts almost the same, adapted a bit, but for the for the world that he's and the tone he's set in, I believe. Yeah, but pr- pretty close. He's just, he's not as much of a presence overall. We get a lot less scenes with just him and Zuko. Yes. So he doesn't have as much time to shine as, uh, and we also, this movie's so serious. We don't have as much of his kind of humor. Yeah. Basking around. Unfortunately. So, but I, I do like that. He tries to push the, the blessed life, um, to Zuko. Cause again, he wants, he, he knows he's better than, uh, what he really is, and he's kind of wasting his potential almost. Yeah, absolutely. And even in the scene, back, back to with Aang, uh, even in like th- about like the 39 minute mark, we see Aang doing, he can waterbend. It's not like he can't. He can waterbend, mm-hmm. but it's just he's having some problems with it. And not only that, but uh, he's almost too good. Like all the water is reacting to him. And. Mm. We see flashbacks. I kind of like this. We see flashbacks to uh, their time, his time in uh, at the temple. And then flash forward to, not flash forward, but then flashback to a scene uh, of the graveyard, basically. Yeah, I thought that was effective too, especially building up to this, him kind of going to another air temple. Yes. I guess we forgot to mention that. Yes, they're nearby the northern air temple. Wow, we're already there. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> and gee, that was fast. And no Suki, no fortune teller, no nothing. Um, no great divide. Yep. Uh, no Batao of the water tribe. No firebending master. Nothing, none of that. Yeah. Instead, we yeah just jump right there and we meet this Earth. I I guess he was an Earth uh, nation person. Maybe not a bender. Yes, an Earth Kingdom person. No, he's a he's a uh, a poor Earth Kingdom pe- peasant hmm. or serf. He just kind of wears the robes and hangs out in there. Well, he says he comes here often. Yeah, and what did you think about this whole sequence here? Initially, I didn't. Uh, when we first watched this again, I hadn't like watched watched it, so I didn't really take in the grandiose n- nature of it, and. Uh, initially him almost acting like this wise mentor for Aang potentially. Um, especially when he uh, looks at him and realizes, Oh, I didn't expect you to return. Um, I thought yeah, he would, he would be of much help to uh, Aang in this case, bringing him into, you know, the transplanted from Southern air temple, um, mausoleum of all the airbenders, or sorry, all the avatars, excuse me. Um, mm. Which a few of them they got wrong. Like they did show Kyoshi. I forgot to mention that. that they did mention Kyoshi uh, a bit ago, I think back in Haru's village. So they merged Kyoshi's village, Suki's village with this village or with Haru's village, interestingly enough. And <laughs> let's point out that the waterbender after or Bersi air before Kyoshi uh, is not Kiruk. And the air nomad before Kirk is not Yangshin. So, sorry, just my nerds showing. And we see Avatar Roku. And that's all we see of him in this statue form. Um, but then this is here where Ang laments uh, his origins of the discovery, like, you know, the, as, as Ero was talking about with the, the four uh, toys choose out a thousand four mm. you choose uh you've chosen throughout all your other past lives <laughs> we get like this you know bombastic score by james newton howard mm. and yeah we kind of get a bit of like you know ang was very reserved and not even reserved but taken aback by everybody bowing at him and we will see that later on so i'll kind of like, like like in mm-hmm. flashbacks so i'll i'll let the scene play out later um, what do you think of the scene? Um, I think it. I think it was okay. I really like the look of it. I, I like seeing all the the past avatars yeah. like that. I think that's cool. I feel like the whole bit with the guy being like, "Oh, you know, I feel bad that I'm betraying you." I feel like that maybe could have been something more than it was because he never comes back. That element of it, he's talking about like, "Oh, I lost out on all this wealth or prosperity because you left." I mean, I guess that builds into Aang's kind of depressed nature, but I don't know. I, I, I felt like that was a could have been a more interesting little subplot, but it doesn't really amount to much. So what I remember uh, a few things. So the line is, I have lived in poverty because of your absence, Avatar. Um, whether he was a wealthy man at once mm. or he's just saying that his whole life has been in, in, in poverty. Uh, because of the avatar's actions, I could see that. So he is doing this selfishly, but at the same time, he wanted to know what Aang was like before giving him away. 
Mm. And so, and he even says, you will understand my actions today. So he's, I'd say he's a complex character. <laughs> the other point I had to make was that um, Zhao clearly stated that he had placed soldiers and her contacts informants around the Earth Kingdom in case they were looking for the Avatar. Mm. So this was set up. So anybody who calls out like this was not set up, it was clearly set up. I checked. Um, that's fair. So that's my whole and and of course, so we basically combine um, um, the Blue Spirit with the Northern Air Temple uh, together. Mm. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, we see kind of a hint at the like mechanizations or whatever with their little tank that we see here. Yes, which doesn't really come back. But maybe M. Knight was saving that for the sequel. Oh, and I also forgot to mention... Yeah, that too. But I also forgot to mention um, that Zhao had, in fact, been to the Great Library. Um, and mentions that to the oh, Fire yes. Lord. I'm yeah. just looking at the uh, scene with the dragon. Uh, and how the dragon is giving a knowledge of the worlds outside uh, the physical one. Uh, I like that. And, and even mentioning about the, the, the Red Moon. Uh, I'm like, ooh, okay, interesting. Mm. Um, and so he's get, and, and the second time talking to him is, is I also like that that he's chained up, and so he actually contacts him, uh, this this great dragon spirit, and yeah, I thought that was that was pretty good. And then we have the confrontation with uh, Ang and Zhao, and it kind of goes almost similar to uh, what we got in the show, I think. Yeah, pretty similar. From my my recollections, I think uh, I think this was a good sign of or not a sign. I think the actor did a good job with the scene. Obviously, wasn't over hamming it up. Um, my his mutton chops have certainly shortened it. Hmm. Uh, doesn't give the whole. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, he does. He does mention the whole like you use my airbending, your your airbending against my soldiers, and questions why that is, and then like the scene changes to the tank. So they were going with something there. I don't know. Yeah, what it was. Also, that tank is certainly an adaptation. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> I don't know if that was practical or not. Yeah, I couldn't tell it. I didn't mind the look of it, though. Well, I was going to ask, like, what do you think of what uh, Zhao was mentioning? Of like, you know, you used your airbending only against my soldiers. What do you think he meant by that? No, I don't know. Well, what do you think? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, yeah, I just initially want to know. It's likely something Zhao could have used to his advantage. I don't think he used it properly, but had he hired Earth Kingdom people potentially oh. to capture Aang, uh keep him under guard, that would have probably worked, especially with what the dragon says later on. Um which we'll get to. But it does seem like he's like, oh you didn't kill these people. Like why why how, why haven't you? Um, you're only using you're 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 non-lethally like taking out these guys. I I I must like understand like we kill people. Why are you so? It's almost like Zhao doesn't realize like maybe he does realize that he was a monk, but like doesn't realize the whole like he's from a different timeline. He's from a different era of like he doesn't understand the non-lethal aspect of the air nomads. If that makes sense trying to understand his enemy more mm. um, and, and I guess get a first primary source, not that the, I guess like any, if there's any like 
wall carvings or, or teachings books on air, air nomad philosophies, but he's getting it from the source itself. I don't know. I just, I thought that was interesting. And I was like, why did he ask that? Um, could have used it as to his own advantage, but does not. And then gives his speech to, you know, um, fire Lord. by the way, no mention of Sildan's comment yet. No mention of Sildan's comments. No. Nope. Yeah. I don't think it comes up at all. It's funny. The, the, the scene where that we first see this one guard, um, in the brow, like, you know, for the 45 minute, 25 mark, um, you know, just kind of similar to the show itself when Zuko or the blue spirit, excuse me, um, knocked those guys up and chained them. Um, kind of looks like Brian Kanitsko. I'm like, is that you, Brian Kanitsko, under there? Do you like, do a, be, were you a stunt double here or were you that guard? Probably not. Yeah, I don't think they were. I don't think they would have been too happy with this production by this point to actually show up. Oh, the no. And I don't know if that audio still exists but there is a video out there that somebody did ask them like straight up like okay what is it about this movie uh i need we need to know your opinions on this yeah i'm sure it wasn't uh pleasant no of course not uh i like the way when the blue spirit entered their cha- his chamber there uh, i like how when he took his broadswords out and split them it was very subtle like i, I very much did like that yeah, and that comes to this whole kind of sequence here with the Blue Spirit. Of course. Um, I, this is another one where M. Night kind of uses like a one-take, kind of uh, convey this big fight scene. I do like the fact that he's not using a lot of like quick cuts and stuff like that, but especially some of the scenes when Aang and the Blue Spirit are like back-to-back. Aang has like a really weird, he looks like a video game character, like his face. And I was kind of like, I thought they hired No Ringer because he's like this martial artist. Like, why are we just replacing him with CGI during this scene? Like, are you saying he's Rubber Man? Very Rubber Man. Yeah. Oh my. Um, I I initially liked the the little like training uh cage that he was in. Yep, that's cool. I I'm not saying they used it to their fullest advantage, but. I like there was something there. I was like, okay, there's a there's there is like a unique fight scene here. Mm-hmm. I could almost see it like it's it's almost like if you if you if you think of a kung fu movie where there's a back and forth between one another. Like if you like like for instance, if you thought of like Kung Fu Panda where they're trying to like it, uh, one of the dumplings with chopsticks. Think of that where they're like going back and forth, or in the scene they reference. Uh, the in Drunken Masters where Jackie Chan and the Master are trying to like get the the drink, um, where they're going back and forth. Think of that as like these guys are trying to get into the into this cage, and Ang just like playfully starts like whacking them with just like these boards uh, with air. I think that I, it could probably work if it was executed properly. Yeah, that stuff's cool, and I do like when Ang like he's about to leave, and then he looks back and he's like, "Oh, the Blue Spirit's in trouble." decides to go back and help. I think that's a good moment too. But then their fight afterwards is just, Oh boy. <laughs> I think again, it's yeah, it's, it's so bad uh, to me. It's good. Uh, especially <laughs> the slow motion. Like it's, <laughs> I know you don't like that, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I appreciate how, how bad it looks. I don't see the CGI. I guess I'm just not. Oh wait, no, maybe I sort of see it like his face. Yeah. 
Yeah, he looks look like looks like he's out of a video game. It's so weird. Fair enough. I it's interesting as well. Aang's doing a lot more like physical actions yeah. as well, where he's like punching them and then like blasting air away. I think that's interesting. Yeah, it doesn't seem to fit necessarily, but hmm. you know, we're not really. But again, this is the adaptation there, so yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's fair. Yeah, but yeah, no, I I kind of sort of liked that blue spirit sequence, but it, it was kind of I don't know the the CGI face Aang was so weird to me that it just put me off. <laughs> I guess the other thing, of course, that I did mention before in the previous commentary, um, but you know, I'll be a little more calm now uh if that wasn't like when ang initially arrived at the northern air temple oh i just saw blueberry got shot by that arrow that was a good shot um there's the bridge there right wouldn't ang be uh curious as to how that bri- why that bridge is there wait why would he be this bridge so when he first got, the bridge clearly is metal and mm-hmm. the air nomads didn't need to use metal uh, when constructing the temple because they would just use air to get to the temple. Oh, yeah. And their gliders. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, there's this metal bridge there that wasn't there before. So Aang, it should be a uh, a setting off point or uh, not a setting off point. What's the term? Uh, it should be a red flag. A red flag, especially with the red banners there with the Fire Nation yeah. <laughs> uh, emblem displayed. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. This is a red flag. I shouldn't go there. Maybe they took those down. <laughs> maybe they took those down. Maybe Aang, maybe it's just like, oh, the Fire Nation constructed them, but like, I guess Aang should have been suspicious. I could just be wrong. I could be overlooking something. But I do like that Aang chooses to save Iroh, and it is Iroh. a little odd that they don't, uh, Zuko, it is a little odd that they don't have an interaction. Aang just, or Ong, I should say, just decides to leave him. Yeah, and doesn't really pose, well, doesn't pose the question yet. Yeah, yet. Um, Because... Again, we kind of go back to that later on. If, if, mm-hmm. if you, again, it's it's uh, he picks and chooses when to bring things up, of course. But anyway, I'm get, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's funny though; they go to a. Uh, so, initially, he goes to. In fact, I just realized. So he leaves Tara and, and Sokka uh, near a lake, and I just realized it kind of reminds me of. Um, the blue spirit itself where he goes away from them. I don't know if you thought the same thing, but like he goes away from them to go like in this case, it, they, he wanted to go in the book. Obviously in the show, he was trying to go and uh, save, uh, get a cure for their illness. And this, he just straight up leaves. Cause he's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's erratic right now. He, or not erratic, but he's, his thoughts are not clear and he's having, um, doubts in his mind about things so that's why he leaves so that makes sense in this adaptation wise but obviously in the show there's a different reason but yeah it's it's funny that we he goes in this like clearly green um floral looking place like like forest looking place and then he goes to like this desert uh to drop zuko off yeah and with with clearly still vegetation and a forest around them, but still, I was like, is that a, the closest thing to the Great Divide? Yeah, I thought that. I was thinking Great Divide too. It's funny. Yeah, and uh, it's just Zuko. Oh, this is a scene where Zuko's ship blows up. Yeah. Yes. You get the scene with the Fire Lord and Zhao, where Zhao's like, 
Oh, I'm pretty sure your son was a blue spirit, but I can't prove it, of course. But yes, I just want to announce this to you to make it clear to you. Yeah, I thought that was weird. <laughs> I do want to bring this up since we're at the with the Fire Lord right now. Actually, I was thinking that he has a very calm demeanor. Not that the, you know, the one in the show doesn't, but like he's a very like calm demeanor. Um, doesn't seem to be very like again in in like full control of his emotions. I wonder as the series goes on because we I, I assume we would see, um spoiler character goes back to him in in book two i just speculating here and in this movie version um goes back to him in book two throughout the, the sequel if that makes sense um i wonder if he starts getting like his, he starts to break down like could you imagine where his like because like you know the the gang basically keeps foiling his every move um and and delays his progress from domination of the world um he starts to lose his cool and his temper yeah that that could have worked yeah yeah because he just starts off as this like cool guy air quotes cool guy and i'm just like huh i wonder if that that would that, that was what they were gonna go for again only just speculation anyway um i like when zuko returns not the episode but when he returns to uncle iroh uh, and Uncle Iroh completely, you know, doesn't buy that he went nowhere for four days. Um, I guess Aang was gone for four days as well. That was not a night. Um, promised to Katara that he'd be only gone one night. But I like that Iroh kind of almost clearly persuades him to do almost everything that he said. Uh, not in a malicious manner, of course. Mm-hmm. Just to go get some rest and uh, to continue on his journey to get the Avatar. I kind of like that, that he was very supportive. All while he's getting a foot rub from a lady. Yeah, that was a nice little uh, piece of Iroh. Kind of enjoying the pleasures of the flesh, as I mentioned earlier. But <laughs> I... Um, but, oh my goodness, I'm watching this scene of... Ooh, that's creepy. Appa, like, swimming around in some water and just his, like, creepy eyes and nose are sticking out. And again, this design, I just, oh boy. <laughs> He's got these like very threatening looking horns. For whatever reason, the horns in the animated show did not seem so violent, but these ones look like they could do some real damage. Yeah, they didn't. Unfortunately, the tone of the of this whole piece is very moody. And so, yeah, the horns do look like they are used for attack. But hey, maybe that's what they were going for. Yeah, it could be, could be. Oh, back to another scene with the Fire Lord, and oh, very, very brief. Huh. It's very brief. It's uh, I think a lot of people have complained where it's just like a back and forth between the two. I actually took it as it's the same scene. Mm. Uh, that's just a. It was just cut. Uh, where he's f- first he talks about Zuko, and then he talks about uh, Aang uh, and the Avatar and and discipline, uh, trying to learn water. So I'm just like, okay, I think it's two different yeah just two same conversation but like cut uh, as we go back to um two different things happening at the same time yeah and i do like seeing this uh this water city i always think it's very pretty looking and it's uh no exception here yeah it's adapted um almost similarly like it's it is adapted um i guess a little bit more grandy oh, i want to say grandiose um i think it works it's more white than blue, but there's still blue to it, of course. 
the other outfits for one. And there's old UA. Hmm. Yes, there's old Asami. I mean UA. Yeah, and then we get another. This was going to be another bit of a subplot that was completely axed. And they just replace it with the uh, Katara's voiceover. Yes, where instead it was. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I just looked, looked at Sokka there. <laughs> that had that look, that derpy look of just like <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm head over heels for this woman. But anyway, um, yeah, sorry, it's just, I'm looking at UA and um, Seashell Gabriel, and I just realized she kind of looks like my cousin. Yeah. So hopefully that's not, you know, I gotta, I gotta be careful there or else. Maybe it is her. I'm gonna get, no, it's not my cousin, but I'm just saying like, I gotta be careful or else it's going to be, uh, uh, well, it's going to be Oedipus a a bit. I don't want to, I don't want to Oedipus complex here. Oh dear. I'll cut that bit out. Oh, come on. Nobody, people that that's, (laughs) I think that's the, that's the, that that's fine that you can keep, leave that in because like that's people would have to look that up to know what it is, what it's about anyway. Yeah, it was just some stupid joke. During, yeah, I know. During the um, during the voiceover, and they prepared for war they knew would come in the ensuing weeks. Yeah. Cut, but just that mention of like time going across uh, or passing, I accept. Mm. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, it's not like there was a whole subplot where this Paku guy was um, didn't want to teach women how to waterbend yeah and i we didn't need that but um since we're since i'm looking at least right now at um the fire lord he almost has like a roman look to him like his hair and i was gonna say yeah that's i like the aesthetic of their little uh their little city it is weird because it's taking many inspirations for this adaptation um like it looks like they're part of Africa, but also part of India. Um, the temples also could be based off of some Indian cultures, and I mean like the whole country itself, like any individual parts, Malaysian as well. But yeah, the Roman part there is, and even some of the yeah the, the structure as well of the architecture could be Roman. Mm. And again, I I feel like this is also still the same scene between these two, but they went outside. Yeah, or maybe uh, maybe not. Uh, you can. Also, I like the background where there's a bunch of soldiers going uh, marching. I think mm-hmm. that's a little cool little scene. Um, but it is here where we get the origins for Zhao's uh, big, big revelation. Maybe not revelation, but big, big characterization in the show. And uh, that we initially we set up the scrolls pretty quickly, uh, pretty early on uh, of him. Uh, him mentioning finding library whereas back in 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 the in the show of course uh that was when he was a lieutenant uh under commander chu i believe or whatever it was whoever it was sorry um so or no did i say commander i meant lieutenant um i said that and so this was many years ago this is present so they find the library uh and the scrolls pretty immediately on um about the same time when the avatar returns and it is here where the Fire Lord instructs Zhao um, to kill the ocean spirit. Or the moon spirit, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people probably would have a problem with this where, um, unlike the show where this is a completely independent thought of the 
of, of Zhao himself and probably what defined the character. Yep. Here, it's instead suggested by the Fire Lord, whom Iroh in the show stated that would also suffer the consequences of the moon being removed. Um, potentially we would, we, we don't know if he would have, uh, if this would have put a wrench in his plans. I have no idea. Maybe it wouldn't have. I mean, thinking about it, if you think about it, if the moon wasn't there and it removed its effect on the world, you know, removing tides, the moon does act as a shield for the earth for any potential incoming astronomical objects. So what say, even though Sozin's Comet is a real world thing where it grazes the earth and leaves the atmosphere, what say, because the earth wasn't there, now I could be completely wrong with the earth, the moon wasn't there, let's say that it goes by us or doesn't go in its path and it goes away from the earth and doesn't give the firebenders that extra energy boost or potentially burns up in the atmosphere. I'm probably wrong on that. I think my astrology or my, my astronomy, excuse me. I think my astronomy is incorrect on that, but I'm just point, I'm just throwing something out there. <laughs> yeah. And again, they don't really ever make any mention to that in this movie. So who knows if that's even like a part of it, but, <laughs> but what did you think of this adaptation of, uh, the Ozai being the one to come up with the plan to kill the moon spirit. Yeah, I mean, I guess because they have such a close, I mean, it seems like Zhao is kind of like every decision or anything like that. He needs to take immediately to the, even like his baseless, oh, I think your son was responsible. I've got no proof, but I need to report it to you anyway. Like, it seems like maybe he's not capable of doing things on his own. He kind of needs to run it by his uh, his boss first. So I guess it fits. But yeah, in terms of kind of taking away from the character, it does make him feel like he's more of just a tool rather than someone working with his own ambitions. So that's too bad. Yes, I'll get to it a bit. I think I'll not save it, but there there is a scene where I'll talk about it uh, sure. more on that later on. But yeah, I'm watching this scene with Yue and so- or Soka. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know if I have much to say about. I mean, I just think that their dynamic is. I mean, again, like I said, they just let Katara kind of say, oh, they hooked up and now they're kind of having a romance. I think this is like the only scene we get of their romance and it does not play very well at all to me. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll get to that in a second. I'm uh, just on the scene where. You know, just saw Aang practicing with Paku and his, you know, um, his unstable, not unstable, but his unchecked emotions are still causing, you know, problems with his water bending. Which, yeah, okay. I mean, that, that, that that's there just to, again, show us that he's struggling. Uh, and then we quickly get a scene with Zhao or with Iroh, excuse me, uh, going with Zhao and giving the backstory of or the, giving quick descriptions of uh given the checklist of bossing say his son and being his commander or general whatever it is and uh oh and also giving his regards to zuko dying all to once again like i guess be superior to him and spit in his face without spitting in his face mm-hmm. yeah. just to mock him and yeah that's that's pretty much it and then yeah we get there i actually didn't mind this 
Uh, I didn't mind this scene. Telling you the truth. Um, maybe it's not completely romantic or anything like that. You could say like, oh, maybe Anakin and Padme had way more chemistry than these two do. Oh, God, no. Um, <laughs> uh, up, to, up to one's interpretation, of course. But uh, I kind of liked their back and forth a bit with UA saying like, you know, once this is all over, I'll go to the Southern Water Tribe and I'll stay at your place. And then he's like, well, I don't know what my grandma's going to think of this because she'll be like, you seem like a nice lady, but what's up with your hair? Uh, now, whether that was Scrama asking, as as he said, um, I don't know. Uh, I kind of like that. That was I found that a little charming. But I, I do like how it goes from white hair to the whole backstory uh, of her hair. And I, I, th- I actually thought that was a little natural. Like, I thought that was maybe not natural, natural, but like, I think Gabriel put it in as much as she could. Uh, and did the best with that she could with it. And the inclusion here was, I think, perfect time again, set up. And it wasn't the episode, like like right at the, what was it, the episode before she gives her sacrifice. So I think I think it was, it was seated here properly. Yeah, for the scant little bit of scenes we get between them and the barest little bit of setup that we do get, I think it works well enough. But again, I I don't know. A lot of the this ending sequence, I feel like feels rushed. Like, I don't feel like there's enough time to really flesh out anything. Oh, and also in this in this adaptation, there's no uh, her dad's no not around anymore. I think they mentioned a line where he died. It was so it was, it was actually like like a, a quick line. I think oh, back wow. in when they were making the plan, I think either guitar or Sokka said it. How like, yeah, dad's not around or something like that. Like he died or something like that. And anyway, uh, yeah. So you the princess, but there's no King or queen. So wouldn't she be queen? I don't know. Mm. She's not mm. of age yet. I don't know. I'm, I'm whatever. I, I don't know how this culture works with that, but she should be queen. Um, she also appointed Sokka as uh, as her guard, I guess her guard, uh, not her guard, her bodyguard, excuse me. Fair enough. I'll protect her for those who play Dishonored. Um, are you around uh, 106.19 when Aang is, he comes up to her and he's like, any, he's like asking her for a place to meditate? Uh, not yet. I went past the scene with Zuko and Eero. Uh, Zuko just randomly shows up, not a... Uh, not in a fire soldier's garb, just well, sort of. Uh, not with a helmet, but basically a scene where Iro uh, uh, says that Zhao has no sacredness. I kind of like that line, um, which makes me question some things later on. But then, yeah, uh, Tara and Ang bending, basically doing their movements, and then the black smoke soot comes in, and uh, yeah. Oh, I, I was just uh, going to say, I feel like um, when Aang comes to her and asks for to, to find a place to meditate, I just feel like his deliveries are just kind of weird again. And it's always like this movie has a lot of like really close up shots on people. And I feel like especially when <laughs> the actors aren't doing a very good job delivering their lines, that close up on them just makes the scene play as kind of awkward. Yeah, it's an interesting choice. I don't know if he's done that. And uh, did he do that in the happening? I think he did, right? 
Like he was doing some of that in the happening. Yeah, lots of weird close-ups too. And then old sort of had that. I think it worked for that. Yeah, any of the other ones, I don't remember. Uh, I like the scene, the, the scene where you know Zuko goes in his white garb uh, to grab uh, to to capture Ang, and Iro is there to you know br- bring him some motherly love, as you as you said. Very good scene. Very very. Just, I just had to comment on that. It was a really good scene. Mm. yeah that's fair i also want to point out how that since oh yeah which i guess we didn't really mention but the fact that the earth or the firebenders don't create their own fire um the scene where zuko has to basically use his key to melt the ice i'm wondering did iro taught him that teach him that for spoilers for the ending or could they always do that Oh, that's interesting. I didn't really didn't really think about that. Because hmm. he uses his hands to burn through the ice, and I'm like, uh, how do you do that if your hands are completely, or if you can't create fire? <laughs> yeah, I think by this ending, I was so checked out. I yeah, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Yeah, and how were you uh, at this point when you're watching it? Were you still like in it, or did you? Were you ever like fully? Yeah, I was still in it. Oh, okay. I was still in it. I was very much still in it. Um, also, I want to really like shout out the fact that um, I love Zuko's white uh, attire because this time it makes sense. He blends in. It's so funny because I, I, I watched it and then I saw him on the rooftop when they were panning for, as the gang <laughs> was like running uh, to the shrine. And I was like, yo, I almost didn't notice that. That's amazing. That's practical. So I like that white robe outfit. I like that too. I, w- I wish he kept it on more though. Uh, it's a kind of a shame he like tossed it aside. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas he kept it mostly in the show. Yeah. And we shortly after that, when they finally get to the little spirit uh, pocket, Katar gives this scene where she kind of, when Aang isn't really paying attention when he's meditating, she kind of pours her heart out a little bit to him talking about how she always believed in him and she knew that he'd come back and, um, I, I thought that was a good scene to include. Um, but again, Katara has just been such like a non-entity up to this point. It feels like that's the only scene. Yes. Where they really gave her anything. No, this, yeah, like this movie is not, no, I'm not going to say kind to her, but yeah, she's very much a side character in this rather than a main character. In fact, I think, I think Zuko's really the do, do the deutagonist or I forget the yeah the second protagonist excuse me yeah um rather than her or Sokka it's really just uh, especially I think some of the posters if I recall uh had Aang and Zuko prominently on there rather than uh her or Sokka in it yeah and it makes sense I mean he's definitely a much more charismatic and interesting character yeah even Sokka I feel like has or Soka I should say <laughs> feel like has more to do in this movie than she does she almost feels like a almost a bit of a greek chorus where she's always in the background like making an expression like oh no or she's really happy about something yeah where she's yeah i guess yeah she's there along the ride like her her ambition to become a great waterbender is not as accentuated as it was in the show oh no not at all yeah yeah um like, especially when she says to Zuko, also the Fire Prince, um, like that. They don't actually know his name. Um, <laughs> maybe she does. She doesn't want to say, I don't know. Um, 
I um I do like her line. Obviously, probably could have been you know done a bit better. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, not a great. I'm not. I'm I, far be it for me to say I can act, act better than somebody who's in Hollywood. So, <laughs> um, but people are probably looking more for her to like boast and or like proudly announce like i'm katara of the southern water or, or i'm katara of the southern water tribe and i'm the last waterbender of my village like you want you want her to be like proud about that mm-hmm. and she kind of says it with like almost out of breath like almost losing breath or something like that yeah yeah it just yeah had no weight to it too bad yeah and then this also yeah it doesn't she does not feel as or as Zuko's equal like she did in the show. Um maybe because it's also not nighttime uh in that sense. So her water's not as strong. Which I think they I think they did establish that by the way. Like the whole like yeah mm-hmm. at nighttime they're a little more powerful. They get a boost. Yeah they kind of just say it in exposition, which is kind of this whole ending. I feel like this whole ending is just filled with exposition. I do like Zuko when after he beats her and like you know just like shoves her back into the tree uh i do like that he kind of gets her up not gets her up but he's like sits her up a bit and then like kind of explains to her unconscious body like i can't do this i i, I must like i can't go home without him i kind of like that i was like yeah he's it's... he's like not that he was never like a slime ball in the in the show but this this version i i i kind of like that yeah it's almost like he was checking if she was okay yeah like he regrets doing that well not fully regrets but you know what i mean right yeah he did it because he he had to it's not like he wanted to just hurt her out of nowhere yeah that's that's at least something about this character it gives him more than than what you think than just again i think there's more to this character than we think there is i'm not saying it's oscar worthy i'm just saying like i think there's more to this than we think or give it credit for him and iroh are like the only two characters that have any sort of pop to them guy like they're the only ones that i f- feel kind of called to and interested in uh but now i'm watching a scene of ang in the spirit world and he's interacting with the roku dragon or <laughs> did, did they ever express explicitly say that it's roku i can't remember if, when i watched it today no they just call it i believe the subtitles say it's just great dragon oh okay mm. um just gonna have a flash flashback where as Aang, I guess, entered into the spirit world, uh, which is looking very normal. Uh, does uh, he hear Katara's voice? Yeah, and this scene with the dragon spirit uh, is where you are not allowed to harm anybody, like kill anybody, basically. And he basically says, "Stop grieving for yourself. Um, oh, yeah. You're angry. You're frustrated, and you must let this go." Um. Yeah, as the avatar, you're not meant to hurt others. Um, kind of like the whole like Ten Commandments there. <laughs> like, okay, here. Well, sort of the you're not meant to hurt people, but he's not hurting people unless it's like you're angry and you're hurt. Like, and the avatar is not to hurt uh, others, and that includes himself. That's interesting if that's what he meant. Um, and then gives him the answer. Uh, of use use the ocean, uh, use the water use the water to basically defeat the Fire Nation. Uh, these this Fire Na- Fire Navy 
at the strongholds for stored doorsteps. And is that all I got Deus Ex Machina? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, it kind of feels like it, but I guess they did set it up a little bit, but yeah, no, that's, that's fair. But I, I do like that. He basically tries to say like snap out of being unsure of yourself uh, and having self doubt, just, you know, not get on with it, but just like a pep talk basically to, to getting out of this, this, this rut and stoop he's in. Yeah. Although I'm not sure how much it works, but I guess we'll see. I'm <laughs> uh, at the scene where we get Paku fighting some of the fire soldiers, fire nation soldiers. And there's, uh, he's using the water as tentacles and her tendrils. And then there's slow motion and freezes people. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, I was laughing too. Yeah. Yeah, and then the scene with, uh, again, quick scene with Ozai and Ozai, Zhao and Iroh, uh, basically stating that, you know, hey, you should pull back. Your troops are going to get slaughtered by these guys at because of the moon. And he's like, don't worry, don't worry. The, the map that we'll use to find this moon and ocean spirit where um, Ozai and I have decided to kill the spirit and you just have this look in this eye and I will actually criticize Yuro there or at least you know I mean, okay I can't fully criticize the actor but I do wish the actor had kind of like had it turned away and like had this really like peeved off look at him uh, mm. from behind I, I kind of wish that myself personally but yeah, he, again, like I said, things start to just feel weird in this climax. But I feel like, yeah, he should be a lot more, because we've seen all throughout the movie that he's been kind of like more honorable to the spirits and the, the Avatar. And yet he just kind of falls into the background and doesn't really, I feel, have much of a presence during this whole kill the spirit <laughs> part of the movie where you'd think that he would have a lot of presence. Yeah. So... Until, of course, after the spirit's already dead and then out of nowhere. But I guess we'll get to that in a minute. Oh. We'll get to that. Um, Hurricane Rana. Straight Hurricane Rana. Yes, no. <laughs> funny enough, yeah. I like that scene. I really liked their little back and forth sparring session. I know it was, there was no bending, but it just came out of nowhere of like, like a hand-to-hand yeah. <laughs> -hand fight sequence came out. And again, he shoots really well. Like... Mm -hmm. Deb Patel, like I don't think they're stunt doubles, but like Deb Patel, man, if that, I'm pretty sure that's him the whole time. Like, man, he went all out, man. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, he said that he really enjoyed all the training and learning that martial arts and stuff. He said that, that was one of his favorite parts. Really, well, that's at least one positive, I guess, that he got out of this movie. Again, these water effects are just fantastic. Yeah. I really do think they hold up really well. Yeah, no, I think I think so too. Imagine the water that we have now with or CG water we have now. Again, industrial light and mm -hmm. magic, baby. Yeah. Uh but I will I will call out like Katara just like you know, her UA and Sokka are looking for him and she just like randomly like turns to one building and is like there. Like, <laughs> what the hey? Um oh and for anybody who is complaining like, oh how come um how come the water tribe didn't uh put out all the torches and you know not like like fire lights you know any mm. any fires they use is light um i'm just gonna assume that one sneak attack and two maybe they forgot <laughs> still says and also three the, you can clearly see the firebenders are launching catapults uh or not catapult launch launching um 
giant yeah fireballs rocks and metal metal cages full of fire uh for ammunition so it's uh you know it's it's there but just just to finish this scene after the little fight with uh with ang and uh zuko yep so i do think it's funny that Katar basically is like okay with okay i'll just kill the fire prince here i'll cover his whole head he'll just suffocate in there and she yeah. just leaves the scene and it takes ang as he's walking out to be like oh i guess i should save his life <laughs> agreed very strange <laughs> yeah it's it's funny i mean again it at least shows like why did ang do that because the dragon told him to <laughs> mm-hmm. um which sounds ridiculous when i when i say it out loud but um <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, it was it was set up, so that, that's that's why. And then he says the line, "We could be, you know, we could be friends." Now again, out of nowhere, a bit, and yeah, you know, obviously transplanted from this. Uh, no, I was going to say the storm, sorry, the blue spirit. But do you think it works there? Um, I think it. I think it works because Aang is choosing to walk a different path, and Zuko seems so shocked. I think. Like he when he woke up and Zuko was like giving his little speech. Maybe if he had been at that moment talking more about like, oh, you know, I have to I'm just trying to get my father's respect back. Maybe that would have been good. So Aang like knew his motivations more. Yeah, so I'm not 100 percent sure if Aang knows what his motivations are at this point. No. And even in the show, we, he didn't really hear everything. Um, but that didn't change his mind to leave him fr- out frozen in the middle of that tundra. Um that was his choice to bring him back. Um, I'll be tied up, of course. Um, yes, fair enough. I do like that little compassion that Aang had, and then the scene where they the the two the the the, the four split up. Aang goes on the assault, whereas the other three try to go where the koi fish are because they see Zhao uh, going towards there, and then Zhao comes in to the sacred shrine again. The map, maybe. Maybe that's something that peeved Shaman off where he was just like, no, this, how did he get there so fast? It's like map. <laughs> so this makes sense. And Zuko at least followed them. So that, that made sense. Um, everything checks out. Um, and then here's where Zhao basically has his breakdown uh, of his character, not breakdown, but like, you know, he, got, he says the whole, like they go by many names, a, a co-line and, uh, push and pull, yin and yang, doesn't do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not law and twee, but whatever. And then states, and then grabs them, or grabs the ocean spirits, or the moon spirit. Sorry, I keep getting that wrong. Um, pretty quickly, by the way, um, in the bag. Yep. Um, which I'm surprised the fish didn't, you know, get away yeah. faster, but <laughs> try to escape yeah and again Iroh's just kind of like he's so in the background during that scene like he's he's trying to tell him like hey don't do this but he seems like too calm and like even when he stabs him like he doesn't even make any attempt to stop him I thought that was a really strange scene for Iroh or Iro. yeah no yes but like in comparison to the show like yeah he should be furious like in fact one thing I uh one thing I was a little bit peeved off that was when they first come in to the, the the chamber i was surprised and shocked that arrow didn't like bow before the spirits to show them like courtesy and respect i was mm. very much shocked i was like my goodness what the heck um 
you you show appreciation and sacredness for for these beings, these otherworldly beings, and just none of that. Um, but then here's where the change in Zhao's character occurs, in that he's hesitating. In the original show, we don't know we, we don't know if like Iroh's threats got to him or not, and then he decided to lash out. But here. There's pressure. There's hesitation on Zhao's part. He, like, like Iro is is in one ear, and then Ozai's words are in another, and his duty is in the other. So, again, this makes him a complex character. Maybe like some people are seeing what I'm saying. I'm just saying like this is a different character and interpretation of that character. But I do like it where instead of being absolutely like this is my destiny. Um, that's the fire Lord who says that um, he's more like, I must do this for the fire Lord, the fire uh, fire Lord or the fire nation is too powerful. Um, he's almost like a cog. In the, he realizes he's in a cog in the machine, cog in the machine, excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. And you can also see him like sweating a bit. I'm just like, okay, there's, there's stuff here. Like I, I, I like this. And then like right before he kills it with the blade, um, he states that we are the gods now. I'm like, oh my, or we are now the gods. I'm like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? Yeah, I guess just saying that, that the Fire Nation has dominion over everything. Yep. It's like the complete uh, supremacist worldview. Aye. And then, yeah, he, he kills the fish, and then we see the, the waterbenders lost their power. And then <laughs> we get kind of a weird direct directorial choice by M. Night. He like zooms into Iroh's eye and then zooms back out. And then Iroh is like a complete change. And now he's Mr. Furious Man and he makes fire from nothing. Oh my goodness. If we saw the show, this would be like pretty scary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, if, oh, I don't know if you noticed, but his eyes actually went red. Yeah, they went red. Yep. They went completely red. Um, oh boy! Yeah. Also, did you, you uh, of course you noticed that UA fainted um, right when the spirit got stabbed. Um, oh, and by the way, Red Moon Moon wasn't there completely, so that was an adaptation change. Uh, it was it was red when the spirit was like first grabbed by Zhao in the show, and then when he killed it, that's when. It, uh, oh, the whole screen went black. So, anyways, whatever. Sorry. Yeah, and there's something curious about this ending, which is that Aang is like completely detached from the main kind of story. Like he's just another element of the battle. Like I guess he has his moment at the end, but in terms of this kind of spiritual conflict, he's completely removed from it. Which I guess was it that way. I guess it was that way in the show too. Kind of. I mean, no, no, he, well, no, yeah, he wasn't in this moment with Yue, but he was definitely an element of the spirit kind of fighting back. Spirit world well, yeah, back. he reacted like we, we, we saw him react to the stabbing, albeit at yeah. a distance. Um, but in this case, he doesn't merge with the ocean spirit. I got this right this time. He doesn't merge with the ocean spirit to become the ocean walker. Um, he instead merge he instead like kind of just stands and watches everything in slow motion yeah and just is confused doesn't feel like an active participant 
Very strange. Well, yeah, I, I guess dumbfounded and or maybe realizing that he failed at protecting the moon spirits. Does that make sense? Yeah, in terms of the character, I just think in terms of writing to have your kind of lead protagonist, especially someone who is supposed to be so connected to the spiritual world. For him to play no part in this this climax, really, except for creating that big wave. Especially when they talk about like spirits in this a little more and set them up more than they were in the book one. Um, like, say, for the, 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 the air quotes, like specific episodes for that. Yeah, it's like M. M. Night wanted to recreate the scene with Iroh and in UA, and he was like, "Oh no, but Aang wasn't in that scene. He was this part of this part that I'm cutting, this big beastie." He was like, "Oh, what do I do with him? I guess nothing." <laughs> he's he's in the he's in the action. He's in the trenches with the soldiers. Yeah, but that that feels like the background part of the climax, you know. I get yeah, I get what you mean. But before we get to hit like what happens to him. Let's go over to what happened. What's happening in the cave with UA. Yeah, and again, this everything feels rushed. I mean, it felt a little rushed in the series too. Like, how did oh, how did Iroh know? But in this one, he just looks over and he's. What does he say? He says, uh, "You are you are anointed. You are anointed by the spirit." I kind of like that line. That, uh, I, I kind of like that. You are blessed by the spirit. Again, if it was in this world where like spirits do bless people and there's they leave like a mark on them, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. That, that 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 would like. I guess save like if they had this in the if they were traveling around in the towns and we saw like a baby blessed by the spirits and you saw a marking, then maybe like you could say like Arrow encountered another baby like that in his travels. And so it's not out of it's not a left field for him to say like, oh, you're also like blessed by the spirits in this way. I just think of uh, someone coming in having no no knowledge of what the show was, just watching this one movie. They'd probably be like, "What? What's going on? What?" Because <laughs> it just it it I feel like it comes out of nowhere in this movie. That's fair. And I've seen the show. I respect that. That that you 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 make a good point there. I won't deny that. Um, but with UA herself and the speech they kind of give, where it's almost like. She's saying how, like, this is what she was born to do. This was her destiny. Destiny has a big part in this. And then Sokka's like, you know, free will. So it's basically a free will versus determinism argument. Um, I do like the line where she says, I'm scared too. Mm -hmm. And also where she's like, I must show... Uh, my people that we believe in our, we have faith in our beliefs as the fire nation has beliefs in theirs. I like that line, but yeah, mostly the I'm scared line. She didn't really have that in the original. So I kind of like how she's very hesitant to do this, but she kind of has to, uh, and thus does make the sacrifice. Hmm. And again, in this, in this version, they did what I realized was probably the best thing to do, which was she goes into the water itself and then like her life force transfers from her hair and I guess extension, her soul It goes into um, the moon spirit and she loses all her white comes black and the moon rises again. And I love the, the moon effect when it returns, it kind of looks like there's a water filter behind it or in front of it. Oh yeah, I can see that. And then we see Aang and everyone's looking up in shock and, and then it's like, oh yeah, where where was Aang during this scene? <laughs> but he was in with troops, yeah. just you know, 
bewildered, befuddled, and confused. Yeah, but visually speaking, it was a good call to put her in the water and have the the white drain out of her hair. I think that really, yeah, some more. Uh... And I could also make a point how her she was like in a Christ like pose. Absolutely, absolutely was. Um, but uh, um, I'm just looking at Zuko about to start his fight with Zhao. Why does Zhao make the weirdest like hand movements? Looks like uh, I don't know. Well, it's like a it's like tiger pose or something like that, where he's just like. But his expression too, he's like, Ooh. he looks, he just looks really funny. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, like from out of nowhere, like Iro just comes in, and I'm not even saying like this is wrong. I'm just saying like Iro. It just seems like Iro, like just got here way too fast. No, yeah. How do you get there? Absolutely. Right before, like, because right before he was helping bring Yue out of the water respectfully as a gentleman and then like just all of a sudden just appears here so obviously time has passed but it's like man he showed up quickly yeah like i guess that's i guess that cave is not that far away from their current location but yeah and it's nice that they make Ira look so strong in this finale um i do think that zuko comes off rather weak i mean he got kind of beat up by ang kind of beat up by katara and now like irs to step in and fight his battles here so it's kind of like ah oh, they they didn't really make him very impressive but i guess i guess Zhao wasn't very impressive either i mean he just completely missed these guys <laughs> throwing the fireball at these four uh waterbenders that show up they're not even like slightly phased by him i mean <laughs> that's that's fair i like this scene just for what yuro says um about Zhao, and it's also a callback to you know episode three, uh, Southern Air Temple with the Agony Kai duel between the two of them, uh, clearly making reference to that. Even though the duel didn't even happen, but it's basically just like Iro's just like no, Zuko, you're you're better than this. He's not worth it, and again listens to his uncle, the right choice, and then from behind does Zhao fire at him. And he blocks, Ira blocks his attack, and then it says, "You stand alone." And that has always been your greatest mm. f- fault. And I, lo- I love that line. Yeah, that was a good little little bit of a scripting. And I also like uh, Zhao's death. Just overall, how they just put him in a giant like bubble and just drown him in it. I think that was well done. That's scary. That's all water yeah. have to do in this. Yeah. And you see him struggling in there trying to swim out, but there's no way to swim out. And yeah, it's like, Ooh. yeah, it's like that scene from Order of the Phoenix where Dumbledore puts that orb around Voldemort, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, uh, I also, oh no, we cut right after that scene to like a scene out of a video game with like rubber faced Aang. Oh, this like... is great. <laughs> oh no. This is great. Oh, I was laughing. I remember I was, I was cheering up in this scene with uh when we were watching this the first time oh really yeah this <laughs> is this is amazing yeah no all in like side scroller by the way yeah it feels like it's out of a video game it feels like a trailer for a video game by the last airbender i love this there's your scene and that's where you triggered me to being like oh i remember there was a video game for this yeah yeah and i also think this is when the ice city starts breaking down and looking really plasticky during this scene when he was like running up the wall 
oh i remember you saying that as well yeah and it's kind of like oh what's going on with the the lighting like i don't know i mean i don't know the moon's shifting i, I couldn't even tell you <laughs> but it's certainly i'll say this the scope and the scale and i guess the the street level nature of this really does make me uh kind of believe that ang couldn't take on this whole fire navy himself like he did in the show yeah that's fair just especially the size of the ships like i'll give them this like the size of the ships is is amazing like in, in scale to ang ship design's really cool too not as like incomplete for some people potentially from the show but i still think like they're pretty big and then, yeah, we basically come to the end. Yeah, we got like a little bit of a flashback for Aang. Yeah, when all the, I guess when all the people are maybe announced that, oh, this is the new Avatar. And they all bow to him. Yeah, at first we, we get like Aang going up onto the top part of the spire uh, of the wall. And then he remembers Paku's words about what water is like. And then he flashes back to some of Monk Gyatso's teachings and then, yeah, the scene of him being bowed to by his peers and teachers. And again, let go these earthly tethers slash let go of these emotions, this baggage, this uncertainty you have, this guilt. And again, use the ocean. And he does. Yeah, and I guess it's nice that he was trying to do the dance there. And then we see at the very end, the last shot is him completing that dance that he couldn't do. So, yep. This whole, yeah, set up, I just realized rule three where he's doing movements for water and he's finally like got it. Like, he finally, like, first time was in the lake area. The second time was, I, you could maybe say, was when he was fighting Paku and he was told to be offensive. And then third time is is this where he does basically um, put, take your staff uh, scene from uh, Ten Commandments or uh, Prince of Egypt. Yeah, and he he creates this gigantic wave, and it makes everyone like stare in awe. And I like how this one group of like firebenders is they get all scared and try to escape, even though the exit that they run to is already flooded. Yeah, like it's... covered, they still run to it. <laughs> I was a bit like, oh, you dummies. Like, what are you guys doing? But I do like the scope of the giant wave and then them just like leaving. They're like, oh, crap, we can't compete with this. Let's get out of here. And as I said before, it literally is the giant wave that is usually depicted in Japanese artwork. Yep. And even the slow motion works there when they like show the, the image of Aang in his avatar state holding it up and the little drops of water dripping down to him. I think that's another good image. What, why is, why does that work exactly? Um, one, he's not a terrible, like CGI, just, uh, like <laughs> not even looking like him face <laughs> where it's like, don't do a close up of that face. It's clearly not him. Correct. And, and yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to like, explain like oh yeah just because it's not an action it's an action but it's not like kinetic act action if that makes sense so it, it it lets us see like almost every detail so that's why slow motion is got a nosh i thought that's what you're gonna say <laughs> no I, I i'm not even like maybe i complain about slow motion on the podcast every now and again but i'm, I'm not against it 
I just often feel like it's overused, but but when it's used effectively or misused as well. Yeah, and misused definitely, especially when you slow down. We're in a close-up of a clearly CGI terrible-looking face. <laughs> that just bothers yes. me so much. But in a, in a fun way, it makes me laugh every time. But <laughs> of course, maybe that wasn't the effect they wanted. But I do like this ending here. Uh, that's, that's fair. Where even the firebenders seem like okay, we give up. We praise this new god, the Avatar. So, <laughs> so that makes it sets up an interesting potential for the sequel. What it would have been. Oh, that's yeah. Maybe even in the Fire Nation, there would have been like people like, "Oh, the Avatar really is back, and we need to uh, recognize that things have changed." It's not about Fire Nation supremacy anymore. That's kind of almost not verbatim, but that's almost what I said back in our original commentary of like, you know, oh, what funny. if, <laughs> what if like all these, what if some Fire Nation soldiers and citizens all of a sudden are second guessing themselves, and that's what also leads to Ozai breaking down. Like, could you imagine that? Like that, that'd be like again, at, again as an adaptation standpoint, I'm like, okay, this has like this is good, and even. We don't see him like confident or anything like that. We still see him like unsure. I still mm-hmm. like that. Just because he like had that moment of uncertainty uh, for his uh, during that action. So, like, like he cast that all aside and, you know, confronted the Fire Nation with that water. This is a different scene where he socially has to accept this responsibility and still unnervous. But I still see it positively, like where he is unsure of himself, but he's still doing it. Like mm-hmm. he's he, he's showing emotion, but he's still doing the action. If that makes sense, he's still like he's still bow. He he accepts everyone bowing in front of him, even if he's terrified. I like yep. that. That's very vulnerable, and I mm-hmm. think Ringer actually. I think that's probably his best acting right there. It is sadly, <laughs> yeah. The last shot of the movie <laughs> sadly his best piece of work. But no, that is that is a, a good moment, I think. Um, and I like that even Katara goes and, and bows. Yeah, yeah, both her and Sokka just bow as well. And it's like, oh my goodness. Like, I would have loved to see where this would have gone. And yeah, then, well, I guess we move on from there and we get a scene. Yeah, little end stinger. Uh, I, I don't know. If, I, I don't know if I have much to. I mean, I think it just plays as comedic. <laughs> so Ozai gives us a exposition of Sosa's comet has three years, three years to come in. And after that, um, Fire Nation, all fire benders will be able to create their own bending, their own fire, excuse me, from their own chi. And he instructs Azula, the sister to Zuko to go and find the avatar basically do what Zhao was supposed to do and did not mm-hmm. and yeah she has that look of like psychoticness in her in her face a bit yeah and i just again i i see that face and i just giggle like it just looks <laughs> it does not it does not sell threatening to me it just uh makes me laugh but <laughs> but what do you think of it it sets up what's to come eventually. So I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know how you would have done it. it. It was obviously not done in the fire room, throne room, uh, or fire, fire Lord throne room, excuse me. But I wish there was some concern in his voice. 
because he's been stoic almost the entire movie uh and or at least very cool and and um emotionally in check i wish he kind of like didn't break it but he all of a sudden was very like he, he's very strict and assertive with her in this like this is again similar to Zhao, or maybe in this case not he's very like he's not a used car salesman but he's he's again very much like like he must listen to me and he's in, in control i guess oh but uh, i guess now we can get to the uh the, the final thoughts of the, the whole thing i guess yeah no i uh upon second and third viewing i can't believe i'm saying because when i in in the in the original commentary i said i would never watch this again i yeah i mean my words and saying i'm gonna watch this again after this commentary not after this right now but like i'm gonna watch this again someday because you said watch it again by yourself you're not gonna like it no sir i did watch it by myself and i liked it a lot i'm shocked absolutely shocked. Um, <laughs> i can't believe i'm saying that my 14 year old self would like want to just yell at me and say like you're wrong how could you... this makes no sense it's like kid once once you're my age you'll understand when you get to my position you'll understand everything um and that's not this is not to like peeve off any of the other fans uh i'm not here to do that <laughs> is this the last jedi for some of them absolutely it is i can't believe i'm with it but again just everybody rejected it i rejected it from the start well everybody rejected it after the fact i rejected it after the start uh before the start excuse me and again just like ghost in the shell i come back and say like okay there's actually some stuff here that i think is is worth saying like it can sort of stand on its own now again unlike ghost in the shell i think it with the acting um with some of the actors uh i'm not gonna say inability to act i'll say um what's the word not being experienced enough excuse me the select few uh those select few and maybe direction as well do do make it a little more weak than say ghost in the shell where it could stand on its own yeah i'd 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 actually give a recommendation of like go back to this uh to anybody just to see like and maybe do have the first book in your mind again maybe that's the wrong idea to send out but like if not try to just treat it as its own thing um which is hard like i said it's it's, it's hard to not talk about the show without spoiling stuff what do you what about you sir what, what what about you yeah it's especially i mean the comparison to ghost in the shell 2017 that i felt stood in its own because it really was its own story it just kind of took some of the elements of what the ghost in the shell franchise was about just like kind of with final fantasy like final fantasy games like if like when they made spirits within that wasn't based on any specific game or anything like that, but it just had the flavor of what a Final Fantasy game was. That's what Ghost in the Shell was. This, it's like, I could sit down and I could watch this movie, or I could sit down and I could watch book one of Avatar. And obviously I'm going to go with book one of Avatar. I mean, I think that my big problem with this is it's just like a more bland, and it's just a more bland version, and it's just kind of dull for me. Like, I think it, it's got some great CGI, but, like, some of the action just feels a little 
just flat to me all the performances i never really get involved in any of the characters and i do think that it has some maybe better scripting choices than some of the stuff in the show i wish you could just take those and put it back into the show like having ua go into the water to die or having a more consistent characterization for ang i think there's definitely some good elements but overall no i just again i i just don't it's comically bad in moments, but for the most part, I'm mainly just kind of bored and like, oh man, they sapped away a lot of the stuff I loved about that series. But I see, you know, I did realize something. I just, I just thought of it because I was, I just finished our Godzilla, uh, the Planet Eater commentary today. I really, uh, I, I, I actually kind of share some of Eric's thoughts on this, where he said for the whole series overall, or I think it was, yeah, I think it was the whole series overall for that Godzilla earth trilogy. He said that he gets the broad strokes and the, not the broad strokes. He gets the ideas, but he doesn't get the characters. This is the same thing where I look at more of the ideas and the adaptation choices than I do the characters. Hmm. Yeah. And I think maybe for you too, I mean, I don't think you're saying that you think it's a great movie or anything. I think you're more saying that maybe it's, the the good values are under uh, appreciated in the movie. I and so you're kind of surprised that it does have elements. It is like does have redeeming parts to it. It's not just a complete piece of trash, <laughs> like I think a lot of people would say. Yeah, and I I found actual other things besides like I said like Zuko and Iroh and and Zhao were all like the best things about it in my in our first commentary. Now I'm just like, no, there's like a lot of things in here that are, I think, acceptable. Mm. Uh, so yeah, maybe I'm more talking, I don't know. Yeah, for general, for Avatar audiences, I'd say give this another watch. As for general audiences, yeah, I think Caleb's probably on the money more rather than me where I can accept it because again, I'm already tied. We're Him and I are already tied to the Avatar franchise, so... Mm-hmm. We can't really go into this movie eyes unclouded with, you know, bias or I'm biased um, because we're so tied that series. We're only going to think about it. Whereas if somebody who's never watched Avatar book one could go into this and be like, oh, well, that's this was a bad movie or something like that. Yeah, I'm so curious what just, yeah, someone had no experience with the the animated show would think of this. I mean, I'm assuming they that I'm sure I could read many reviews of people like I don't get it. <laughs> what does this have to do with anything yeah <laughs> but uh yeah i guess that's i guess that's about the close here it's another long uh not a long one for us but did it deserve its razzie awards <laughs> um for i didn't see it in 3d maybe in 3d the effects look terrible but i know yeah like, whatever i i couldn't even tell you <laughs> yeah i know it got like worst 3d and worst eye gouging effects I don't think that it should have got worst effects. I mean, it had some bad ones, but it also had some really good ones. So more of a mixed bag than just flat out terrible. Yeah, fair enough. But I agree. Um, as for like the humble, uh, Ember Island players episode where, you know, people used the end quote of like, uh, it was boring. There's this, that, that, but the effects were decent. Um, I, actually wouldn't say it's that effects are very decent but like there's there's some stuff to chew on 
Maybe it's already a used piece of gum, but there's still some flavor left in it. <laughs> well, I guess. I mean, I find it pretty boring. I'm, I, I was very. By the time we got to the climax, I was completely not engaged anymore. I guess so. So, <laughs> but but hey, different strokes, you know, different strokes. Many different strokes. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So there you go. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad we got to it because now with this out of the way, because there was no way we were going to do this at the end of the entire series, because that'd kind of be a lame thing. This is is over. And now the promised land can continue into book two, Earth. Earth.